Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host Ryan here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6NERDS5. Oh man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, the most radical podcast in all the land. Also, you can see us at Denver Comic Con in 2015. If you see it, like I'm hyped and I said radical. It's because we're doing something special this week because none of us wanted to see Insurgent. Um, because Insurgent looks like in shit. Well, because none of us had seen the first one. No. It, Insurgent. You know, if they, if they promised me Shailene Woodley's boobs, I'd go see it. But seen it. I know. I'd still see them again. I'm just saying that they don't promise me that. I'm just so. saying, like, it was, yeah, whatever. So fuck it. Um, so this week, we've been talking about this for a while. We thought it'd be fun to do another retro film explosion, and we're going to do 1985 film explosion. And a lot of people, critics-wise, believe this is the best year of film ever. Correct, James? Um, Wearing your Blockbuster polo. Are you a manager <laughs> at Blockbuster? Uh, no, I never got to be a manager at the Blockbuster. Did everybody um, wear polos? I don't remember. Yeah, this is the shirt you were, that you wore if you were a Blockbuster employee. Um, this is the shirt I wore as a Blockbuster employee. The only shitty part is it's a polo that's specifically made so that you can like not tuck it in, but they made everybody tuck it in, and I was in high school and fat, so I was like, this is uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, yeah, I worked at Blockbuster. What was the story? I said you're wearing a Blockbuster shirt. You're yeah, wearing it because I really like the shirt. No, I just like this shirt. Were Blockbusters around in 1985, Brad? Um... Let's go back in time. <laughs> um, we also have a couple guests with us that wanted to join in on the 1985 fun. You know these guys well. They've been on the show before. To my left is Steve from the Elmo Draft House. Hey, Steve, what's up? I didn't want to be here, but thanks for having me anyway. Yeah, well, <laughs> I tied him up and put him in the back of my CRV. He drove around <laughs> with me to, like, Carter's today and the baby's place. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. He's like, don't make me wear these onesies. And I said, wear it. I have plenty of pictures for blackmail. Absolutely. Looking forward to having those released. Yeah, we're going to put them on the website, so. Yeah. yeah. It'll be. Uh, and Twitter. We post a lot of pictures on it'll Twitter. It'll be what we're watching this week, but we'll make it visual this <laughs> week. We'll put it on the website. <laughs> because we'll be watching you. Uh, Welcome back, buddy. Hey, thanks. Let <laughs> me back. What's new with the Alamo lately? Um, It's been pretty crazy. It's uh, It's been a busy March with our transformations. Um. My favorite in the last few weeks has been a face-off in 35mm. That was kind of a personal one. I was like, you know, we don't have to do this 135, but you know what? Why the Why fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> Did you attend the uh, It Follows with, was it the director or the producer? Oh, that's the 30th. That's coming up on the 30th. Oh, Thank up. you, Ryan. Oh. 
Um, that's coming up on the 30th. On the 28th, we'll have... <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm leaving. God. Brad only cares about his own movies he's directing. So Yeah. When's uh, Jean-Claude playing again at the Alamo? Never. <laughs> oh. Get out. Just kidding. That's not the, what the Chris the Projectionist wanted. He wanted me to play it again. Well, because he's important. Who cares what he yeah. that guy. <laughs> no, I love Chris. He's great. Yeah, what, we like Chris. What, <laughs> what Chris wants, sometimes Chris gets. Not <laughs> yes. all the time. Yeah. Um, it works on dates, too. <laughs> What? Yeah. What Chris wants, Chris got. <laughs> you guys are like five seconds behind me today. Um, yeah, on the 30th, we have David Robert Mitchell coming for It Follows and his first film, um, Myth of the American Sleepover. And then on the 28th, the newest uh, draft house film, Spring, uh, we have uh, oh, Justin, so Benson, Justin Benson and Aaron Moriarty, the directors, are coming out for an Italian feast. Bellissima. So you're the uh, programming director, and you talk to these guys. Yes. Why don't you score some interviews, Steve? God. Oh, man. What? Wow. You guys are always just barking at my tree for these interviews. (laughs) Get it. If you make it happen, then I won't have to do it. You know what? Uh, Michael Uslin told me if I don't knock down the doors, no one's going to knock them down for me, so I'm going to pester the fuck out of you. Sounds good. (laughs) I look forward to it, Ryan. When are you programming the Real Nerds Present? Yeah. Army of Darkness? I don't know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Friday the 13th, Part 5. Really? No. (laughs) Would anybody come out and see that? Is it the porn director one? Yeah. Ah. Nice. Um, Danny Steinman. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. We're moving along. Right. Yeah, I know. I've set up in relationships with other people there. So yeah, yeah no, no. I think up. I think we're I think we're slowly moving in the in the right direction. Yeah. So cool. Be patient. It's not, one thing, it's not like they have anything else to do. One thing about directors is that like especially like someone like David Robert Mitchell, he's literally coming in for like not even twenty four hours. Like he's yeah, coming but in the morning. One of those hours should be with us. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know who we are? <laughs> no, we have eight hundred and ninety followers on Twitter. <laughs> he he actually asked. He's like, oh, Denver, the. Uh, the home of the Real Nerds podcast. I knew it. <laughs> Actually, uh, we saw Zombievers last night, me and Brad, and the super hot chick in there is, uh, she gets naked and it's awesome. I'm like, I know I've seen her before, and I forgot she's totally naked in the Silent Night, Deadly Night remake as well. And I went to her IMDb page. She's from Colorado. Nice. Brad, sleep with her. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'll get on it. Take her for the team, Brad. Literally. She, she, <laughs> she's a vegan, so you're going to have to, you know. Eat veggies. I'll take her to Mad Greens, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you cheap, cheap vegan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But welcome back, Steve. We appreciate you being here. No, thank you guys so much for having me back. I'm excited for today's podcast. And at the head of the table, is this the head or is this like the other? Are there two well, heads? I, yes, there's two heads. So if we cut off think both about of you, it. another one grows? No. The table's more of an oval. Yes. So it's not really like head, foot. It's, it's also more at just an like angle. And yeah. Dan, you've welcomed us back into your home. Hi. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? I am well. You look good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Usually you look like shit. Yeah, but usually today. you look like <laughs> butt and ass, but today you no, look really good. No, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, no one else has noticed, like, all the weight I've lost and stuff. I have I have noticed. Yeah, it's, well, it's because I, like I said, I fucking forget to eat. And then I, <laughs> then I eat once a day. Like, two days ago, I had two two things of string cheese. And I'm like, I don't think that's good. So it's not that you've been working really hard and, like, watching what you're, like, well, being very that conscious. Too. It's sometimes <laughs> I forget to eat. Wait, what is what is two things? Of, is it two two sticks? Okay, not two large packages. No, because <laughs> uh, right now I'm addicted to uh, there's these like cracked pepper ones from Kraft. Whoa! And I'm like, oh, these are so Sounds fucking awesome. good. They're like cheese, string cheese. What have cracked pepper yeah, in them? Dude, they're awesome. Why aren't we eating those right now? I didn't know everybody would want some. I mean, I ha- it's funny. I got a coupon in the mail, and it's buy two get two free. So I have four packs of them. Oh my 
and you know sometimes when you have a kid and he's now he's crawling and so he's everywhere yeah and so i'm like oh man i can just eat some string cheese um ow, 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 and uh keep up with him you're but, not feeding uh, you're not feeding the baby the string cheese with cracked pepper you know anything. i my doctor told me we can feed him whatever we want except for honey because honey oh, is ooh, why honey it has a it can get him give him botulism i guess yeah don't do that wow man don't give him botulism wow. So also, it, don't give them, like, raw chicken and, like, staples. What? I wouldn't do they, that They told either. me I could feed them whatever um, I want. Yeah, like, <laughs> all sorts of shit you don't want to give them. Anyways, this is about you, Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you guys being here. It's going to be fun. Um, again, 1985, I, was that your idea to do it, Brad, or was it James's to do 85? It was James's. I, I, I pitched for 87. Um, 87 would be good, too. We can always do it. Yeah. Um, Brad, again, I, made a sweet poster in the back of the future font. I appreciate that, Brad. I, think I, I love putting pressure on Brad. Then he, <laughs> then, he, then he fucking does it. I'm like, Brad will make a poster. Yeah, I did it the night before yesterday. <laughs> I think so this what? has been like a really popular one online, all, like already been. talking we, about it. So we should do these too. more often. Yeah. So um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go around and we're each gonna reveal our ten favorite films, but we're gonna reveal them one at a time. Right. Um, so we'll start with number ten all the way to number one. I have a feeling there might be a lot of repeats on here. Yeah. Um, so it might go by a little faster. We'll also play the trailer if we can find it. I know right. Brad was able to find the 99 ones. Um, I'm sure we can find these ones um, online somewhere. I'm yeah. sure they're on YouTube. So actually, yeah. l- let me stop you right there. If I only have five, if I have a top five, uh-huh. I'm going to sit out for the first five. Cool. If you want, if you want, yeah, you can chime in if you'd like. Oh, yeah, maybe that. you can chime in. Maybe like, oh, that's <laughs> that's one I haven't seen. Oh, that's fine. Or something like that's that. That's fine. Okay. However you guys want to do it. I don't want to fuck up the whole Steve, thing. You did a list too? Yeah, I have ten, but um, kind of similar to Dan. The My ten through six are kind of like... Not like, oh, yeah, it's, they're more like, oh, yeah, I, I like this film. I'm going to put it on there. But it's not like, my, my five through one are, like, solid. Cool. So, yeah. so if you want, I mean, however you guys want to do it. Sure. I mean, I have ten because I'm a movie nerd. And you know what's weird is there's 182 you're a, films. You're a real nerd. Yeah. Sorry. There's a hundred. There's 182 films, and I counted. I've seen 110 of them. Wow. I, I, I believe I've seen five movies. So that's why I have five. And I actually <laughs> like all five of them. So, so it works Not out that great. I remember most of them. But when I was, I've seen them when I was younger. And my parents were divorced. <laughs> um, my dad had cable, and the USA Network would always play these movies on there. And oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, they used to have Up All Night, um, whatever their midday show was. I forget. But I used to watch them all the time. Um, I remember some of them. Obviously, they're not going to be in my top ten. But I'm like, oh, I've seen that. I've seen that because I would click on it, and then i go to IMDb, and i said, that really sounds familiar. And, uh, yeah, so that's, I don't know if that's pathetic or cool. Does that make me cool that I've seen that many movies? I don't it makes know. you rad. It does make me rad. It makes me tubular. Yeah. Bitch. Bodacious. Bodacious. What was a big cuss word in the 80s? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That one's never not been big. Um, cool. So. Heavy. Heavy. <laughs> heavy. Oh, heavy. Oh, nice. So I guess uh, I'll start. No, you know, we never do James starting. I was li- I've been listening really? to a lot of our podcasts. I've been listening to Film Explosions. I don't think James has ever gone first. You know, it's because I, you know, I'm, I'm a humble guy. All right, then fuck you, James. I'll go first. Be... James right. will go second. Brad will go third. <laughs> if you guys want to do the top ten, just chip. you can chime in. However you guys want to do it. You're the guest here. Just yell at us. Um, I really appreciate you guys being here. It's going to be lots of fun. Are we yeah. going to do the write-ins at the end of the show? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And we'll do the write-ins. We got uh, two of them. We got one three. from three. Can yeah. you get another one? We got one from Adam, one from... John, and what's the other one? John, and then I think there's a, there's a tweet from Mike. Oh, that's Ooh. right. That's right. I'm glad you remember that because yeah. I totally fucking forgot. I flagged them all on my email. Cool. Was it one tweet? Did you fit them all in? One tweet. 140 characters? Ooh. Uh, maybe less. Maybe less. I, I think it's just... Part of it's the link. Yeah. Oh, so. well, oh that's cheating. <laughs> Throw it away. The HTTP. All right. And Brad's going to try to find some 8-bit sounds for the reveal. So, um, 
That's right. I talked to him about this a little bit last night. Some 80s sounds. 80s sounds. And yeah. I make sure you cut off uh, back in time at exactly 30 seconds. I don't want to get sued by Huey Lewis. <laughs> we did Ray Parker Jr. joke. Because he will do we it. We did it last <laughs> week. Yeah. He also added, I've been uh, meaning to tell you, I love your little flourishes you've been adding. Um, like when I walked away to give my son to my wife. and Oh, with the elevator music? Yeah, yeah I like that one. It sounded like uh, there's a overworld now in Mario 3D land. That oh, sounds yeah. like that. Yeah, something yeah like exactly. That. Yeah. Um, cool. cool. So uh, I'll give you a little what almost was on my list, um, and then I'll give you my number 10. So I watched Out of Africa. I have, that's one of the movies I've never seen. And the movie is good. Um, it's acted well, but holy shit, is it boring? <laughs> it's like two hours and forty-five minutes of Robert Redford and Meryl Streep talking. Yeah, it's like Lawrence of Arabia, but yeah. in Africa. And the only reason I'm mentioning this too is I I posted something. Uh, hunting lions is all sexy because there's a part where this lion's coming at Meryl Streep and she bites her lip and she bleeds. Yeah. And then Robert Redford like wipes the blood off her lip. Yeah. And it's in slow motion. Um, That's pretty good. And I posted this thing on Twitter and I you know followed up on Facebook and my mom said, oh that's my favorite movie. I'm like, okay, mom, whatever. And then she came over last night to watch my son while me and Bradwin saw Zombievers. And she was, like, quoting lines from it. And she said, oh, I love Dennis in it. And that's Robert Redford's character. Yeah. I said, wow, mom. She's like, yeah, I love Out of Africa. I had no idea. My mom likes two hour and 45 minute long epics. It is a long movie. About syphilis. It's pretty good. Um, but this was my number 10, and it kind of ties similar to it. Um, my number 10 movie of 1985 is The Color Purple. The color purple, an American story for the whole world. It's about life, it's about love, it's about us. You will always remember, Mr. Shook. Old Mr. Nettie. Squeak, Sophia, and Seely. You will never forget the color purple. Spielberg going serious. And the reason I also said out of Africa first is because that film is also two hours and 45 minutes long, but it seems like it's an hour long. Yeah. Because Spielberg is a better storyteller, I guess, than um, well, and there's a Pollock. Whole, I don't know. There's a lot of... Uh, color, um, color Purple has a lot of things happening in it, mm -hmm. whereas Out of Africa breathes a lot more. Yeah, I mean, um, there is a little bit of... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but... Like, things keep changing in color purple. Yeah, and it, it moves really fast, and it's it's different. And when you read about it, I guess that stuff really happened back then, where some dude would show up to this other guy's house, like, hey, I want to marry my your 14-year-old daughter. Yep. Uh, you can't have her, but you can have the other one. It's really bizarre. Yeah. And Danny Glover's really great in it, and I... I asked Brad last night, I said, when did freaking Lethal Weapon come out? Because he looks way older than Lethal Weapon... Then he does in The Color Purple, and Lethal Weapon was, like, two years later. 87. Right. So, it, it, but it's really well shot. Um, there's opening scenes of 
them in the, the purple flower field is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the performances are really strong in it. <coughs> I mean, I, you're seriously heartbroken when he throws that, uh, her sister out, you know, Natty, and because yeah. he tried to rape her and she bit his wiener or something. I don't know what she did, but... Um, Man, that movie's good. It is. It's a great movie. I was expecting more enthusiasm from everybody when I'm like, the color purple. I, I No, like, my <laughs> my entire reaction comes from the fact that you swept the leg so early. Oh, did I really? It should clearly be higher on your list. But, really? Uh-huh. Oh, well, it shouldn't be. <laughs> you know I'm a huge Spielberg fan, and yeah. I bought that DVD like 10, 12 years ago, <laughs> and I s- it's still on my shelf when, I, shelf when I haven't unwrapped it, because <laughs> it's just, it's like Schindler's List, it has to be like, it, it feels to me mm-hmm. like it's one of those you have to be in the mood to watch. Mm. It's not as bad as Schindler's List. Well, yeah, well, yeah <laughs> I guess, yeah. there's some really uplifting Wait, things. Did we just, film. did I just like, <laughs> generally you're, say you're that slaverism is not as bad as the James. I think that's fair. I think, I think it's fair to say slavery is not as bad as the Holocaust. No, slavery is probably worse. All right, I don't shit. think you really need to. Is there a comparative? Like, they're both yeah, terrible. You, you, you no, agreed. Is <laughs> equal to or greater than? <laughs> agreed, they're both horrible. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, <laughs> so, solve for but, the Holocaust. No, what, what the color purple? <laughs> <laughs> what the color purple does really well is it's a different kind of slavery issue, where it's African Americans, but because you're free in 1908, that you're held in this house by this mean man i mean i don't know how else to describe like just a horrible person who beats you if you talk back you know who forces this 14 year old girl to have sex with him and then gives away the kids yeah it's like fuck dude that's brutal spoilers brad um have you never seen the color no No, he just said (laughs) (laughs) i I thought you've seen it though just sitting on your shelf though no no i I said that because i haven't seen it oh (laughs) it's it's sitting on there unwrapped unwatched yeah I just love that I just swept James. He's like, <laughs> that's my number one. Just like in The Karate Kid, which comes out next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the sequel. Sorry. No, that's uh, last year. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, cool. That's, my, that's my number 10. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swing to a completely different kind of movie for my number 10. My number 10 is Rambo First Blood Part 2. Army 6 June 69. Accepted special forces. Helicopter and language qualified. Expert in light weapons and guerrilla warfare. Sylvester Stallone is back as Rambo. Rambo's the best combat vet I've ever seen. His mission, to locate American POWs in Vietnam. Think you'll find someone? POWs? Doubtful. His orders, not to engage the enemy. He's got 36 hours to complete the mission and reach the extraction point. We're going down! You're not going anywhere. I'm telling you to abort. Double-crossed and left behind enemy lines. 
You're the one who's making the mistake. Yeah, what mistake? Rambo. And now, he's getting out any way he can. Rambo. What most people call hell, he calls home. Stallone is back as Rambo First Blood Part 2 I love that movie. Movie's dumb as shit, but I love it. <laughs> I remember the first time I watched it back in like high school when I was sort of going through a bunch of those classics that I'd never seen before. And I watched First Blood and I was like, "Oh, this is not what I... Because, like, I had seen UHF many, many times in my <laughs> life. So I went into First Blood going, like, oh, yeah, First Blood. Like, this is going to be, like, one of those movies. And then it's, you know, this sort of serious drama that where this guy is stuck in the woods and, like, the only time he kills anybody is he throws a rock at a helicopter and the guy falls to his death. And you're like, fuck you, Rambo. Like, you're not cool at all. Isn't it weird how big of a left turn it took? Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know what the first action movie it might be this one where it's just totally over the top and balls to the wall i don't know yeah it's definitely because i have a movie on here later <laughs> uh right so this is the same year that commando came out so yeah. <laughs> um you know this movie like this is the one we talked about a few weeks ago mm -hmm. when i first saw commando uh and you said that basically after first blood part two came out he was like i need more of me killing people in <laughs> yep. it because this movie is fucking ridiculous like the scene when he's in the helicopter and just mowing people down? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, it's why that UHF joke works so well is because the idea of him, like, just, just close-ups of him screaming and going, Aah! and then, like, you know, people just falling over like they're dead. I don't know. I It's dumb as shit, but I like that movie. Um, so, so yeah. yesterday at Tradesmart, all their used Blu-rays were eight ninety nine. I got UHF used for eight ninety nine. Oh, there. dude, you might have so I'll have to watch that on Blu-ray. Maybe with the Weird Al commentary. It's gorgeous on Blu-ray. I haven't listened to the commentary yet, though. Cool. Brad? All right. Uh, I did even bring it up here. Are you even paying attention? No, I wasn't listening. God damn it. What are we on? What was ten. my number 10? Um, okay. Uh, looks like my number 10. Again, like these guys, I didn't really have like a strong after five of them. Right. Um... But I wrote down Witness as number 10. Hey, man. They didn't know there was a witness. Carter didn't tell me about the eyewitness. Yeah, Amish kid, eight years old. A man of force. I'm a police officer, ma'am. I have to talk to the boy. A woman of faith. You don't understand. We have nothing to do with your laws. Yes, I do. Your son's a material witness to a homicide. Worlds apart. Now you have a witness. Yeah, now I got a witness. John, what's going on, man? What is happening? You said we would be safe in Philadelphia. Well, I was wrong. He left with the Amish woman, right? If they find me, they find the boy. You bring this man to our house with his gun of the hand? You bring fear to this house? Everyone has an idea about you and the Englishman. They're looking for you. 
I have done nothing against the rule of the Ordnan. Nothing? Maybe not yet. We know where you are. Harrison Ford and Kelly McGillis. Witness. Fucking Harrison Ford checking out some yeah. naked tits in Mama's country. Oh, man, that movie's so good. Yeah, it's, oh. a, it's a good drama, and I, I only saw it for the first time, like, I think last year I talked about it oh, on the show. See, like, that, that is a movie that I, I was uh, see on, like, whatever channel you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, USA, that was always sure. on in the afternoon on Sunday, every yeah. single week, for whatever fucking reason. So, yeah, Witness is rad. That's a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember much about it at this point, but I just remember being really good, so. I just yeah, told Harrison you, Ford. Harrison Ford sees an honest yeah. chick's tits. <laughs> Well, first, a kid. It's like you only watch the movies for one reason. Yeah. It is. I only watch movies for one reason. You'll wait, wait till you hear what number nine is, and then you'll really know why <laughs> I watch movies for one reason. Harrison Ford. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I think I can guess what your number nine is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really fantastic movie that I adore. So that's later on his list, too. God damn it. We're just fucking him. <laughs> You're the worst. Yeah. You guys are the worst. We, we didn't even lube up, dude. We're just going fucking <laughs> rough. Uh, all right. Who's so next? Dan, you don't have a 10, right? I don't have a 10. I have a uh, 1 through 5, right. and that's it. So, Steve, what's your 10? Uh, one note real quick. Already, between Ryan and James saying how <laughs> stupid these movies are, I feel like there's a lot of stupid movies in 85, but yeah. things that are just classic and things that we love, mm-hmm. probably because they are stupid, Yep. Uh, which is great. Um, my top 10, uh, number 10, is also Witness. So, oh, yeah. hey, high five. Oh, man. Uh, so, Brad and I on the same level. Um, so yeah. Do you guys like win some kind of prize now? Or, like, yeah, yeah. Really they, they just won that gay high five they did. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, I'll Let's touch pinkies instead. There you go. There we go. <laughs> oh, that's E.T. to scare the shit out of James. <laughs> you know, E.T. was the 21st highest grossing film of 1985. There was a re release that year. I know. <laughs> Two years later. Yeah. Right. Or Wait. one year? Three years later. Three yeah. Years, yeah. Uh, 82, right? How many yeah. re-releases of E.T. were there? Anyways, Tons. a lot. Oh. The best being the 2002 one. <laughs> <laughs> With the walkie-talkies. You know, I just watched an episode You're of South Park where they're cocking the walkie-talkies. <laughs> like guns. Uh, yeah, okay. Cocky-talkies. Can you uh, explain Witness better than Brad did? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, well, I don't want to overshadow Brad. No, um, please. I just, do, ex- just do two sentences and you got it. Well, I think it's a very, um, it's, it's a very calculated... Um, Harrison Ford, like it's a little bit against type. Um, I like, agree. Like yeah. he's usually a, a pretty smart character in most of his movies, but I think this is a little bit like it's a little more direct and a little little more thought through. And also, it's just a freaking gorgeous movie. Yeah, and it's like, like a fish out of water movie too. You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah, no, it's 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 a, it takes that classic story, the, the fish out of water story, and turns into something really interesting. And um, you know, you can really see a lot of there's a lot of visual metaphors and a lot of um, you know the visual storytelling of it. You can see what's going on on a totally separate level beyond, you know, what's actually going on, you know, in the in the plot. So it's it's there's a lot of layers there. So I think it's a really well made film. I agree. I always remember the poster too. For some reason, like Harrison Ford, like face just standing there all stoic and shit. Yep. Like, oh, I wouldn't fuck with that guy. Yeah. No, you wouldn't. He's Han Solo. He's the witness protector. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he's also a guy who can have his plane malfunction and landed on a golf course oh he's so cool because he's awesome i love harrison ford cool cool brian uh my number nine is i might be the only one who's seen this movie Uh, it's one i've seen very recently oh um one of my favorite imprints of blu-rays is scream factory Mm -hmm. 
they take a lot of obscure cult movies or B movies or even movies that just don't get the light they should they're the releases they should get yeah. and treat them with care like the like UHF is a is ex- a, is ex- a shout factory exactly. which is the same company exactly so uh, my number nine is a sci-fi movie with horror elements mixed into it and it's called Life Force From the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. I'm getting a very small radar cross-section. 150 miles long. EGR's confirmed. Tell them we have an artificial object out here. In the tale of Haley's Comet, there's something wrong. Something ancient. Something evil. Jesus. Houston, we have a problem. Something's happening to me. Something hungry that's brought to Earth. She's destroyed worlds. That girl was no girl. She was totally alien to this planet and our life form. And totally dangerous. I just found a body in Hyde Park. Life Force. Close your eyes. Visited you how? In my mind. Let it go! It's already spreading. You didn't stop it, it's too late. With me. Life Force. The terror has just begun. Now, the movie Life Force, I don't know if anybody ever seen Life Force. I've, I've never, uh, like... It's directed by Toby Hooper, who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Poltergeist. Nobody? All right. Nope. It's Spielberg. I, mean, I, know, <laughs> who, I know who those guys never, are, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was waiting for someone to say Spielberg directed it. Um, oh, yeah. Well, but... The movie concerns this totally hot naked chick who comes to Earth. Okay. And <laughs> exactly. Stands in. All right. I'm not joking. She's naked for 90 minutes of a 110 minute movie. What? She's because she comes from Earth and she's an alien who is half vampire, like a vampire. So she sucks a life force out of people, which turns them into these zombies. It's pretty fucking awesome. And so the whole movie is them trying to capture this girl, but. All she does is steal life force from people, and they turn into zombies. So she's growing stronger because her army's growing stronger, and they're trying to figure out a way to stop her. Um, and it's a really, really fascinating movie. Um, just different, and it's kind of creepy. Not super scary, but just it's just done really well. And it's a, it's a really different kind of movie. And I just really appreciated watching it and seeing the care that Scream Factory gave it because it did all right. I think it made, like, 12 million dollars or something and you know in 85 i think that's like 40 million now um so it's just it's just a different movie and i i loved the guys trying to solve how they're going to take care of this girl because obviously any dude if you see a hot chick walking towards you and she's naked and she wants to bone i mean i wouldn't say no um it's like uh it's like species but with even more nudity yeah exactly but yeah but the effects are cooler too because it's all practical so like there's these guys 
when she first steals oh. the life force from him, and they don't know what's wrong with him because they're acting all crazy, and then they just slowly wither away and stuff. It's a really, it's really fascinating. I would definitely, and here's the thing, though, if you get it now from Scream Factory, their unrated cut of it was a super limited edition, so now if you get it from Scream Factory, you can only get the R-rated edition. And you're missing out about 10 minutes of nudity, so. <laughs> then why even watch it, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know, how, I think you can, you can still get the unrated version on Amazon, but I think it's like 80 bucks. Yeah. Or you can get the rated version, it's like 18 and it's not a collector's edition anymore, so they lost some of the special features as well. Which is, you know, sometimes when you see those things like collector's edition, you're like, eh, that's bullshit. But Scream Factory really has collector's editions because Scream Factory also isn't a major studio. So the studio basically lets them have these films on rent, I guess, basically. And so you can only sell a certain amount of them, and then you're done. So number nine is Life Force. Hmm. I think it's on streaming, though, too. But I'm sure it's the rated version. I don't know. Hmm. I have it on Blu-ray, so I watch it on Blu-ray. Cool. Well, I appreciate your uh, your your pitching for Shout Factory. No, oh, yeah, no, I love, I freaking love Shout and Scream at, Factory. At this point, don't you just pre-order almost yeah. every single I, Scream I, I, Factory? I seriously that do. They make? Yeah. Because whether not, you've seen it or not. Because the thing is, is even if the movie sucks, Donkey Dick, they still. <laughs> here, here's the thing: is I've seen Candyman too. And Candyman 2, Farewell to Flesh, is not a good movie. <laughs> but they still take the time to make the image really sharp. And they also give you, like, an hour-long documentary of making it. They give you, like, two commentaries, all the theatrical trailers. Sometimes they give radio spots. And they really take time and make these things. And for fans of, like, horror and sci-fi like us, I mean, you should definitely support these guys because they always put out good stuff. I mean... Next week they have Class of 1984 coming out, which is a different kind of movie. But they're also doing uh, Mad Max special edition, Ooh. with you know where they commission somebody to do the artwork, and yeah. then it has reversible covers. I mean, it's, they make it worth it to buy Blu-rays for Are sure. Are they doing all three of them, or just the first just one? Mad Max? Yeah, but you still feel stupid about buying that tin, though. I hate that tin. <laughs> I hate that tin so much. That yeah, what, what what do you hate about that tin? Because you because it's, it's just a tin, it like it's not it on the shelf. Yeah, like it's not a it's not a steel book, so it does like there's no spine, so it oh. just looks like there's a tin on the shelf. Right. And inside of it is a normal ass Blu-ray case or like, candy. Oh yeah, I should just I should just take it out, put the Blu-ray on the shelf, and then put candy in it. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's not so bad it's, at all. Uh, that's my number nine. Cool. Um, James, uh, my number nine is is one that's probably only on my list, and is certainly one of the sillier ones in the of the year. Um, that I'll be interested to see if any of you guys have actually even seen this movie. Um, my number nine is The Jewel of the Nile. Yes, sir. All right, all right, all right. I'm coming. Hold your horse. Yeah. Ira, how'd you get this number? No, 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 no. No, I'm doing this one on my own. I got new partners. Jack Colton and Joan Wilder. We're romancing a new kind of stone called the Jewel of Denial. I practically got it in my hands right now. The only thing stopping me is this big shot A-Rack who stole it. And is not too thrilled to part with it. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. How do you stop this thing? When we get out of this alive, I'm gonna kill you. Oh, God! No! 
I gotta go. You gotta go. Oh, that was so close to being on mine. Was it really? Because oh, that's the so thing good. is, is because I love Romancing the Stone just Me too. a little more. Oh, Romancing the Stone is definitely better. Just a little um, more though. Yeah. Like they're it's it's a fun it's a funny genre that we don't get enough of is like that. You know, they, they basically tried to take Indiana Jones and make it more of a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've if you've not seen Romancing the Stone, basically it's a um, it's a woman who's a she writes romance novels and then sort of gets tied up in like this actual adventure with uh, Michael Douglas's character. I always love and Michael then, Douglas's voice. I think yeah. it's like such a cool voice. He's really good. It's too bad like he went crazy and got old. Um, if he could have just stayed that age forever, I think he probably could have been like permanently awesome. He made um, a lot of really good movies. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He's not. He is not in my uh, mind. The like game. Yeah, <laughs> the game is good. The game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Gordon like Gecko. See, I don't. I don't care much for Gordon Gecko. So, like, uh, in my mind, he does not. He is not a Harrison Ford. No. Right. Like that's my point. Is that there? He, no, he no was always like B list. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jewel and I all like. It's a it's a bit goofier, um, you know. They're like already together, and so it's not. There's no real tension there. There's just them trying to find like this special gem and fight these bad guys, and then the gem turns out to be like a dude, um, and you're like, well, that's weird. And then there's like explosions and fighting, and uh, Danny DeVito's in there, and he's fun. Uh, it's a it's a cool Hello. movie, right? Yeah, like it's. Uh, <laughs> I can't do Danny DeVito. <laughs> no, it was horrible. It was not good. Well, at if all. you go off of him from It's Always Sunny, it's just whore. Yeah, yeah. whore. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's one that I grew up. Um, my mom was a really big fan of both of them, and so I grew up watching it quite a bit, like on the weekends and stuff. Like if it was, if it was ever on TV, we were gonna have that on in the background while we were doing stuff. So I've seen it quite a few times, um, and so for me, it's just it's a fun, like easy movie to sit and watch, um, and one of the sort of. <laughs> jewels of that year. Um, I actually just watched both of those again oh. because... <laughs> so so lately, I, I've actually been going against what I've used to do with Blu-rays, which I want each individual movie. But now, like, Fox is combining movies on Blu-ray for yeah. eight bucks. So, I, like, three weeks ago, I got Jewel of the Nile and Romancing the Stone on, in one set. And also let you know, the cool thing about the Fox ones is if you flip them over, they don't list any special features. But all the special features are on there. They just, they literally they take the discs them on the and box, put them yeah. in there from the previous Blu-rays. So yeah, I, I almost, I almost put Jewel of the Nile on there. Almost did it because I really do love those Good. movies. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, Brad, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is a, a lot of people like a lot. I like it okay. Um, I didn't really grow up with it as much as everyone else did, and that's The Goonies. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Hey, let's go to the map! Whoa, do you guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy Goonie adventures. Meet Mikey. I gotta go fast. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. Come on, Brand. Slip with the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even look. Mouth. Stephanie, Data, Boy and Chunk. Slot. 
They call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend, but they're not alone. Trunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. That's the it. Sounds like Kong. Discover what they uncover. Secret caves. The hidden clues. The treacherous traps. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Take the oath. I'm here. I'm here. Join the adventure as Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. I just rewatched that. It almost made my top. Almost did. Yeah. Did you make your top ten? Mm-mm. No, wow. mine either. Wow. Nope. You, I'm I'm in the same boat you were. I didn't grow up with the Goonies, so I didn't see it till I was fifteen or sixteen, and I was like, "This is fun." I, I have not seen it. I know I need to. It, no, it's so, a fun movie. Yeah. I was talking to Brad about it yesterday, and I put it in because I'm like, "Is this going to be on my top ten? Because I do like, I really do like the movie. And my wife came out and she's like, "The Goonies? I fucking hate this movie." I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? I don't know if she had some bad experience watching the Goonies or what. But uh, why is it on your top ten, Brad? Because I remember it being fun. What I do remember, I mean, I haven't watched it in a while again either. So, uh, but I just remember it being fun. And out of all the rest of the list, you know, it's like one of the few I mean, that I actually have seen. I was talking to Brad about this. They, there's no way they could make that movie with kids now. Oh, yeah. One, the kids cuss. They're racist. They're mean to the fat kid. Um... They just don't have that mean spirit in movies anymore. And I really think the reason it is on my, isn't on my top ten list is there's a part in it where they get to the well and they're finding all the coins. And Corey Feldman picks them up and says, you know what? This is mine. This is my wish. And I'm taking it back. I'm taking it all back. And I just really hate that line. Yeah. But other than that, I love the spectacle of it. I love how fun it is. I love short round in it. Um, <laughs> you know he only got that because he did Temple of Doom before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, the same same kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I was uh, reading; he's like a big stunt coordinator now in Hollywood. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Stunt coordinator. I thought you said stud coordinator. Stud yeah. coordinator. I got really excited. You need some studs for your movies, and short round will be there for you. <laughs> I'm right here getting your studs for you, right here. But, I mean, in that they make fun of him because he can't pronounce words right and yeah. stuff like that. You can never do that nowadays because people suck. Even though that's probably how kids talk, you know. Oh, absolutely. In real life. Which is why I will not program that movie for kids at the Alamo Draft House. Oh, really? I've been asked to, and I will not. I know that's, I know that's controversial, but I, like, I will not. Hmm. Yeah. Well, for, you, for you, adults, you, fine. You could, but you'd get complaints from adults if you show that to kids, because there'd be some mom or dad who saw it when they were young, like, oh, I love this movie. They don't exactly. realize that there's shit, and they're mean, and they glue Michelangelo's wiener upside down. And, it's I mean, super racist, yeah. Yeah, and it's super yeah. racist. 
So that's why I will not do that. But watching that movie, I really want to get Throw Mama from the Train. I haven't seen that movie in so long because that old lady in there. I just remember. What was, was it her son's name? Owen! Owen! I used to love that movie when I was young. What's funny, like, looking over the list, and there's uh, there's another one of them from that year that we'll talk about here very shortly. Um, it does feel like in the 80s, and especially, like, the mid-80s, there were a lot of the, that kind of movie where it's just like, okay, we're just going to take a group of kids and throw them on some weird adventure, and the the plot is thin, as it is with the Goonies. There's weird stuff to it. Um, but something about, like, if you saw them at the right time when you were a kid, they stuck with you in a way that, like, for me... I don't think the truffle shuffle is funny. So, like, no. when other people go back and they're like, oh, the truffle shuffle. And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, but there are other movies that are the same way where, you know, the Flight of the Navigator or something like that, you go back and look at it. And the movie's not amazing, but I remember it very yeah. dearly um, because it was that, that sort of kid adventure movie at that time in my life. I love so, Flight of the Navigator. I do, too. There's another one that I really like we should get to. I think the 80s in general are just a really big time for youth between like all the yeah. the teen, you know, kind of John Hughes movies yeah. and plus those movies. I too. think I think you're right. I think there's like a bridge between the two. Yep. Where the John Hughes uh he's, you know, has a couple of movies from this year. Um but the teenager movies are that and then you have the kids exploring and it's kind of starting to meet well, around that time. And as as reference, you're a couple of years out from ET, which was very much that. Um and was you know, the biggest thing since sliced and bread. Straight up horror movie. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, but like kids in a horror movie, you know, like this cool. <laughs> or no. <laughs> oh. um, so the uh, you, you know that all of those studios were just like, OK, just get five kids in a room have them run into aliens or pirates or something and we'll throw them on some kind of of adventure because clearly it will sell well. I still had fun watching the Goonies again. I mean, there's some, I mean, the kids are pretty funny in it. Yeah. But I, yeah, it was still a fun movie. I, it was really close to being my, in my top 10, but as I went through the list, I'm like, oh man, there's so many like cult movies that I really love this year. Yeah. And uh, I guess we didn't say at the beginning, this isn't, you know, this is what we like. It's not. Right. Oh, this is what everybody else loves. Yeah, the Academy liked Out of Africa. Yeah. So. I cannot believe that one. <laughs> Anyways, a good movie, whatever. Steve. Steve. Steve, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Beyond Thunderdome. And only the greatest warriors and their deadliest enemies emerged from the flames. Who are you? Nobody. Understood. I can feel it. The dice are rolling. <laughs> he was the one they called mad. But he's just a raggedy man. But to those whose lives hung in the balance. Where's the waiting ones? Waiting for what? Waiting for you. He was the one they called hero. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Dying times here. Now, Mad Max is back in Beyond Thunderdome.
Gibson, Tina Turner, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. There we go. Yep. It's fucking a horrible movie. It's an awful movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely the weakest of the three, uh-huh. especially because there's a movie called, you might have heard of it, The Road Warrior. <laughs> oh, um, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's Mad Max. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, um, yeah obviously weak, weird. Um, but I think, again, this is more of a personal thing, but I mean, you guys will all, you know, you'll feel this too. You know, whenever you're like, a, a movie geek or a nerd will, you know, welcome another movie geek or nerd into maybe like a, a rough or weird situation. They'll maybe say, welcome to the Thunderdome. Yeah. Uh, so in, in, especially in my line of work where I work with a lot of movie people, it happens a lot. Like it's almost too much where it's like, oh, I'm going to work today. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> All right, I get it. Do you really <laughs> think people have seen the movie though or just know the line? Yeah. I think it's both. Yeah, I think it definitely it's become this thing where even if you haven't seen Mad Max Beyond mm-hmm. Thunderdome, like you know what the Thunderdome I- yes. is and what it represents. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I have not yeah. seen that film. I know what you're talking. Exactly, hundred yeah. percent. The same thing is. Oh, sorry. The same thing is true for yeah. like two men enter, one man leaves, and <laughs> who rules Barter Town. Like yeah. I hear those things yeah. all the time from people. I knew them all before I had seen Mad Max or well, any of the Mad Max movies. Um, so, but I, you know, look, I because I haven't seen the movie in a while, and I know I don't like it that much. But I went back and I was reading a lot of critics. It, I think it's rated really high critic critically. Hmm. I, I don't think people outright despise it. I think it coming off the Road Warrior mm. yeah. is why people yep. don't hold it up as much. And you know, it's just like the Last Crusade. I mean, after a Temple of Doom, I mean, where do you go? You're the worst. <laughs> um. <laughs> we have a lot of right. jokes on this podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently so. For the record, I like Temple of Doom quite a bit. Um. But I'm yeah. really excited for the new Mad Max. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That got rated R is even more exciting. Yeah. I, I think... This is uh, Mad Max, or is it like Mad Max 4? Or? Uh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Fury Road. The Mad Max? Nope. Just nope. Okay. Just Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, like, I think... Oh, go ahead, Brad. Uh, Thunderdome, to me, which I've only... The last two times I've watched it, I've fallen asleep like 10 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, always feels like Conan the Destroyer, mm. whereas mm. Barbarian was so, like, I don't know, awesome and... Yeah. Less comedic, and then yeah, Thunderdome. Obviously, when you bring kids into the fold, well, too. It's I silly. think on Conan, Conan, it went from rated R to rated PG. Yeah, oh. so it's really well, tonally a lot different. At hmm. that time, was there a PG thirteen? Probably not. Eighty five. Yeah. Well, I think the Destroyer was after PG thirteen movies. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I've I've seen it like twice. I don't. Rem- I remember he's in a place of ice. Yeah. Um. For me, like, the first third or so of Thunderdome is really good. Like, the whole part with Thunderdome. And then when it goes all hook, and he goes off and he's, like, hanging around with the wild boys, that's when all of a sudden you're kind of lost. And I'm like, okay, this is not what I want from Mad Max. Yeah, a little bit too far. Yeah, this is the part where you were supposed to go out and find, like, the, the... the gang of motorcycle dudes and have him come back with those guys and, like, wreck shit rather than, like, the little army of kids that were, like... Basically, the end of that movie is, like, the Ewok battle in Return of the Jedi. Oh, rad. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right. Um, which, that part's disappointing. You're like, oh, or is it, Or is it, like, the Jar Jar fight at the beginning of... Or, like, the end of uh, Phantom Menace? Uh, with all the Jar Jars. <laughs> I, I like the Jar Jar fight more. 
Um, I want to meet the executives. Like, you know, you know what Road Warrior needs more of? Kids. <laughs> <laughs> so why yeah. is it on your list? Did we even get to that part? Why did you pick it? Just for those reasons. Yeah. yeah it's, there's nothing, like, again, like, it's not a, a great film, but, I mean, it's, it's Mad Max. Like, yeah. You know, I love that shit. Nice. Cool. Very cool. Eight. I'm going to guess this might not be anybody else's list either. Um, this one's more of a childhood experience for me. Uh, when I used to go to Blockbuster. Yeah. And I would peruse the horror section. I used to pick the video art that looked the coolest. Yeah. And uh, this movie had really cool video art. Or tape art. I don't know what you call it. Box art. Box art. There we go, Ryan. You're a movie person, right? Um, so this box art always really struck me. And I always thought it was really cool. And I actually think the mysteries handled really well in it. Uh, my number eight movie from 1985 is Silver Bullet. I want you to turn this into a silver bullet. You want a silver bullet, eh? Yeah. Nicest piece of work I ever done, I think. Ought to be pretty accurate. Oh, Tech, you're gonna shoot a 44 bullet at anyway. It'll be not a silver. How about a werewolf? You know, Tammy told me she'd been hearing noises in the greenhouse. Growling noises. Father was killed that night. Listen, Marty. You have got to get this idea out of your head. Psychotics are more active when the moon is full. And this guy's a psycho. When they catch him, you're gonna find out he's just as human as you and me. I'm a little too old to be playing the Hardy Boys meet Reverend Werewolf. It came for me. I shot it in the eye. Now he's wearing an eye patch. You won't let go of it, will you? I saw what I saw. Why don't you guys tell me how this guy Logan came a werewolf? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know either. I think he's going to come after me. But I think I'll wait till the moon's all the way full. And there's no Reverend Lowe at all. Only the monster. A laugh from Steve. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard I've of I've never that. seen this movie. No? Yeah. Uh, it's based on a Stephen King um, novella, which is called Cycle of the Werewolf, which is really good. Okay. It's better than the movie. Um, but in it, this small town is being torn apart, literally, by a werewolf. Cool. And the town doesn't know who it is. Um, Corey Haim and Gary Busey star in I'm it. I'm out? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because he's dead? You're an asshole. <laughs> but I, w I will say this. Corey Haim is really good in it. He plays a kid who's in a wheelchair. 
And so he can't experience the things his family experiences. So he's, he's really, I don't know, he's just down the whole movie. Yeah. Until his uncle, Gary Busey, comes in town and gets some fireworks. And, uh, and he sneaks out. <laughs> I, I, Steve cannot stop laughing. <laughs> I love Gary, it. Gary Busey getting anyone fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> that's isn't, amazing. Isn't that? Oh, no. And so he, there, people don't know what's killing people in town yet. And so Corey Haim's character goes out in his, like, motorcycle wheelchair that his uncle built for him called, Hell the, yeah. called the Silver Bullet. And so he goes. Is it made of silver? It's painted silver. Oh. And w- with flames on it. Good enough. And he goes out to this uh, bridge and he shoots off his fireworks because, you know, Gary Busey doesn't want to get in trouble from the kid's parents. And so he's shooting him off, and then the werewolf is going to kill him. And he takes the bottle rocket and shoots it in the werewolf's eye and gets away. And so he goes through town, and he says, I just need to find the person who's missing an eye. And uh, do you want me to spoil the movie for you? Yes. I mean, it's been 30 years. Yeah. Uh, so they're going around, and eventually they give up because they can't find him. And his sister goes to collect cans from the local church, and it's the father who is the werewolf. Like the kid's father? Or the... Uh, no, the, the, oh, pastor, the pastor The pastor in town oh. is the werewolf. And when he finds out that she knows, they have this huge like showdown at the house, and it's pretty awesome. So he knows he's a werewolf. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, oh, okay. And he keeps dead bodies in like, the oh, garage snap. and stuff. Yeah, it's, oh. it's like really violent. There's some really corny parts in it. There's this part where they're hunting in the forest, and there's this fog, and they're trying to beat the werewolf with uh, a bat. And the werewolf is pulling people under. I know it's pulling people underneath. They don't know it's a werewolf. They think it's just a wolf. No, it was mostly just the way you said it. Was like you were you were trying to think of like what complex instrument they were fighting <laughs> yeah. the werewolf with a oh yeah a wood stick yeah, yeah. yeah. so a bludgeon a so Louisville this guy is yeah, literally and this guy is hitting the werewolf with the bat and all of a sudden he gets pulled under the fog and then the werewolf's hand pops up holding the bat and then he beats the guy to death with the bat so it's really campy at parts but. When I was a kid, I used to love this movie yeah. because I thought the mystery was really, you know, cutting edge. But when I rewatched it recently, I still love the movie. But I said, wow, it's really obvious, even if I didn't know the ending, because, you know, the pastor and it's kind of mysterious and kind of jerky and hmm. they really don't make too much out. But yeah, I, you should really pick up the novella, too, because it has really great art in it. And it's really short. I think it's like 100 pages. Cool. Um, but yeah, Silver Bullet. Check it out. Rawr. James. So my number eight is uh, a movie from 1985 that stars a group of kids who find some crazy thing and go on some crazy adventure that I grew up with and I grew up loving called Explorers. from Paramount Pictures. The adventure begins in your own backyard. Boo. Poor man Goonie. <laughs> <laughs> Half that movie's good. 
Yeah, so that's the thing, is that Flat this is a movie <laughs> that I I remember so dearly, and then every time I've gone back to it, I've been like, oh, whoa, this movie goes like way off the rails at some point. Like, Explain, so, maybe to the listeners who don't know. Uh, Explorers is the story about some kids who basically um, are some kind of crazy geniuses and create like a space bubble technology, uh, and basically they all climb into like a dishwasher and put a bubble around the outside of it and travel into space. Um, which that's like Ooh. half that's like half the movie is like this weird adventure of them like it's discovering the Yeah, they're discovering this weird technology and like this is so weird, like what are we gonna do with this? And so they get in their dishwasher, they fly up into space, um, and they're they're you know, just bombing around up there and they run into this like spaceship and they're like, Whoa and there's aliens driving some ship up there and so they board the ship, and there's, like, giant spiders, and they're scary or something. And there's, like, weird, you know, it seems like the aliens are, are scary at first. And then the aliens basically turn out to be stand-up comedians, who then, for the rest of the movie, just make, like, dumb, like, fart jokes and, like, quote things from television. And the kids are like, whoa, this is fun. I like being in space. Aliens are cool. Um, and that's the movie. Can you imagine NASA going into space and then running into aliens, and it turns out the aliens are just pop culture junkies? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> We're just here to watch finger. your DVDs. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. I, we, man, my brother and I watched this movie quite a few times when we were we we, we, we would always rent it. We never owned it, but um, and I just it wasn't till I I watched it when I was like thirteen or fourteen for the first time since I had been younger, and I watched it and I was like, wait. That's how this movie ends? Like, I remember the whole first two-thirds, and then it ends, and you're just like, what the fuck? Where, why did you go crazy? Like, there is no arc. There is no, like, A to B to C. There's just... The climax hey. is the alien's dad shows up and yeah. tells the humans to go home, and then they go home. Yeah. So it's on <laughs> your list because of a memory? Yeah. It's, it's on my list because I, like, it has, it has that place in my heart the way that Goonies does for some people, where if it were on TV, I would totally sit and watch it. Um, and I do enjoy it. Like I, I, I'm giving it a really hard time. Even with that, I actually think that's a cool idea because it's like, oh well, the kids are getting in trouble, and the aliens are also kids, and they're getting in trouble, and so that's supposed to be like the idea. There is like, oh, you know, what if we met space aliens and they were just like us? You know, um, especially if you were kids and you met space aliens and those space aliens were just like you. Um, that's sort of what it what it's supposed to be it's just they do spend so much time like doing dumb jokes from from pop culture stuff at the time that it it's kind of like okay well this is a little weird but when i was a kid fun like totally cool so yeah explorers i think people should check it out and it, like if you got a kid you should at least show them the first two thirds we'll see well not your kid your kid's gonna be grown up on like return to the living dead Hell uh yeah. number eight brad my number eight is probably gonna be on ryan's list because it's a disney movie called The Black Cauldron. Legend has it, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was trapped forever in the form of a great black cauldron. The old king, that Black-hearted devil. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Escape into a world of darkness. Are you coming? 
Me go in there? Oh, no, no, no. It's a terrible place. A world of excitement. <sighs> a world of dreams. Aaron, the greatest warrior, a true hero. And through the magic of 70mm photography and six-track Dolby sound, you will be transported to a fantasy event for the entire family. Look! Look, sire! It's working! Soon, the Black Cauldron will be mine. In the great tradition of Disney animated classics, now comes the newest Disney spectacle of them all, the Black Cauldron. It is not on my list. If you actually <laughs> followed our Twitter account, you would know. I, I know, that's why I said it. Oh, nice. Um, really? You like that one? Yeah, well, again, like, the last five of my list are kind of like, I like it, I so it's on my I list. the Black Cauldron. It's um, my, probably my least favorite Disney movie. It's, it's not one of the best Disney movies, because it's, like, at the end of, like, the original artists that Disney had at yeah. the time, like, they were getting old, and they were, like, recycling tons of animations. Um, but it's, it's one of the few books I actually read in elementary school. <laughs> um, so I always look forward to like seeing the Disney version, and I don't know. And that's for you kids out there. You don't read books in school because you can be a filmmaker like Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell stories with pictures. Yeah, um, that's right. That's what I'm trying to say. So yeah, it's just like a fun childhood memory, I guess. It's also, you know, like a lot of my favorite Disney movies. Disney movies are the black sheep of mm. the like. My favorite is Oliver and Company. Hmm. So, but see, I I like Oliver and Company because it's happy oh yeah it's more fun and yeah more like, fun black cauldron like this is a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's also like um it's also got that i haven't watched it in a while like, again too but uh it's also got that vibe of like the lord of the rings where mm -hmm. they tr started to try to animate the movie and then like halfway through they gave up <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, the only like, credit oh, i will give it hard. is it's kind of different than a lot of disney movies yeah it's a little darker um but it doesn't mean it's better like I said, it's probably my least favorite Disney movie. Uh, in fact, the last time I watched it was, I don't know, 10 years, 9, 10 years ago. And after I watched it, this is the Disney movie I don't think I can watch again. If they release a Blu-ray of it, there's a chance I might get it, <laughs> just because I'm a Disney person. Mm -hmm. But it ranks up there with like Pocahontas with me, where there's nothing in it that I can... Glob onto. Yeah. 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 But hey, you know, I know a lot of people really like it. I know it, it's it's one of those... It's like a cult movie for Disney people. It's um, it, it has its fans, and I would never, you know, knock a Disney movie. I, I would. I, I don't like it very much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I I was just always really bored by it. Uh, as even as a kid, um, it was one of those. That I, I I don't think as a kid I even realized it was a Disney movie. Like because it just didn't feel like it had that same. I don't think much happens. Quality. It's like they just there's the Horn King and they try to go after him and I yeah. think that most of the beginning of the movie is just the kid leaving his home and becoming a knight or calling himself a knight i don't know but it does seem that movie is more popular with younger um like 10 years younger than we are hmm. you know the the 20 year olds and stuff. really yeah because i've I, never heard anyone young talk about it really I, I know it's because it's one of those dark ones and it's kind of the hot topic disney thing to me huh i've heard a lot of people talk about do you think that franchise would be successful if it was like hobbitized like if they had like hmm. Weta behind it, and like if they made it live action, yeah, maybe. Do you think like that story? Because yeah, it's, it's one of like three books or something. Yeah, I think if they tightened the story up a little bit and didn't make it so. 
it's weird because in my book it sort of it falls into that same category with that you know at that period they were making a lot of just weird fantasy movies like this year they had they had legend um you also had labyrinth and um you know those other like willow they were all that same sort of time and they're just sort of these very sort of generic fantasy films and that's the way that black cauldron always felt to me um not terribly exciting you know um which i think is why for me i i I never even realized it was like a disney movie because for me i would watch it and just be like yeah like yeah visually it does it looks like the rotoscope stuff from from lord of the rings um so yeah i'm not a fan but but good choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really brought the podcast to a grinding halt with that yep. choice. <laughs> I'd rather watch that than The Goonies and Witness, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh. Um, Steve. Steve, what do you got? Uh, my number eight is Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Do you wake from your finest fantasy? Only to return to your daily nightmare. Is your mother about to look younger than you do? Does the woman of your dreams... I love you. In my dreams, I love you. ...still have a few doubts? Then it's time to take a stand. To break out of your dull, humdrum life and into Brazil. You're so pleased. You can make it right this way. It's about flights of fantasy and the nightmare of reality. We're all in this together. Terrorist bombings. I don't think it involves anything unsavory. Hey, trust me, Jack. And late night shopping. True love. You don't trust me? Trust you? Trust you? The man who hijacks my truck, loses me my job, has every security man in town looking for me? Of course I trust you. I was only trying to help. Yeah. And creative plumbing. There's a problem. Can you fix it? No, I can't. From Terry Gilliam, director of Time Bandits, Jonathan Price. Sam, what are we going to do with you? Robert De Niro. I came into this game for the action, the excitement. Go anywhere, travel light, get in, get out, wherever there's trouble, a man alone. Catherine Hellman and Michael Palin. We've always been close, haven't we? Yes, Jack. Until this all blows over, just stay away from me. Brazil, it's only a state of mind. We're all in it together, kid. No, see, when we were talking, James thought you'd have that higher. I did, too. I, I said James thought you'd have it higher. Oh, yeah. I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good film. Um, I think the reason why it's lower is just because... It's the, Terry Gilliam. It, well, I mean, he's not for everybody, for sure. Um, the movies that are higher on my list are a little bit more fun for me. Ah. Um, what's really great about this, I mean, I love, you know... Like, you know, Munchausen, of course, that's another great Terry Gilliam film. But, like, what's cool about this one is that it reminds me a lot of, like, almost if it were a long-form 80s uh, music video. Because um, there's a lot of, like, 
similar things where it's like uh, you know there's like the crazy angles and the lenses. There's a lot of the you know the the low angles and the the fish eyes and the crazy like close ups and like, yeah. the really expansive stuff. And there's like a lot of it's like really speedy editing and there's, there's a lot of like um, you know urban landscapes and cities and it's like kind of dark but also kind of goofy. Um, so I think that's why I kind of say it's kind of reminds me of like a you know like an 80s music video. Makes so sense. For that reason and uh, also just because. Um, it's fun. It's cool. It's inventive. It's it's dreamy. Um, yeah, it's my number eight. Uh, yeah, it almost that, made my top ten. I think I ranked it one seventy five out of the hundred and eighty movies I watched that year. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. <laughs> um, that song inspired I, the Wally trailer. Did it really? Yeah. Huh. huh. Like no the worker the worker bee song they got in the. You know yeah. when yeah. Jonathan Price. Yep. Yeah, is like doing his regular day job. Like that song is the inspiration for like the Wally trailer oh, where nice. Wally's just doing his job crushing cans and crushing it that vision of it as like a music video makes a lot of sense because it is also very like um like there's a lot of things that kind of feel like sketches mm-hmm. inside the movie right so like like my favorite part is the is the deck the desk sketch is the way I would put it right like there is this thing that you could pull out and drop it into the middle of an episode of SNL and it wouldn't feel out of place right. um even though I feel like in that movie it feels completely out of place, which is why I don't love Brazil as much as a lot of people do. Um, but yeah, no, that's a it's an interesting movie, and I really do like Terry, Terry Gilliam, or at least I I always want to like Terry Gilliam is the way I should put it. My thing so. with him is, you know how you have those one filmmakers you just never connect with. Yeah, he's definitely mine. Him and Tom Hooper, I just can't. Mm. Here's the thing with Tom Hooper is I. I I he's like, just bad at filming stuff. I like the uh yeah, I like the story in John Adams, but when I watch him I'm like, oh, there's those Dutch angles again. And when I watch a Terry Gilliam movie, all the stuff he talked about is the stuff that drives me crazy with him. Yeah. Um and he's just one of those filmmakers that never connected with me. And I and you know, it's one of those filmmakers too where you feel like you have to like him. You know what I mean? Like you know you have to like Citizen Kane. And I just can't do it. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, interesting you brought up Tom Hooper as well too, because it's like these people have you know, like they have budgets, they make these big films, they're known around, um, you know, they're known in the general public. But also, like, some of the movies they make are, like, really hard to watch. Yeah. 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 I think for Terry Gilliam, I always take it as, like, I feel like he starts movies and doesn't necessarily know what he wants it to be. Which, which is why some of his films haven't been completed. Right, exactly. Um, and so the ones that I feel like have more of a solid vision, like like 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys is a totally palatable definitely weird movie um but is much more mainstream and so those ones i tend to like really well um then when but then there are times where they just they fall apart like um brothers grim is a really good example of one that like i don't know what he was thinking but it just crumbles like some kind of gingerbread man Oh. oh! Is that a grim story? Yeah, it is. It's a really horrible part of that movie where, like, oh, he's in the right. middle of the town. Oh, it's yeah, it's stuff like that. That, the, that movie just falls apart. Um, so yeah, I, Brazil's cool though. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> seven. Lucky number seven. If I my fucking iPad can recognize my fingerprint. Um. Oh yeah, my number seven is Commando. They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. 
and they took the only thing he would kill for. If you want your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. Do you think that he is going to give us any problems? You'll do exactly as he's told. Last of the way, good fellas. You're a funny guy, Sally. That's why I'm going to kill you last. Are you going to tell me what's going on or what? No. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. What are you doing? Helping you get her back. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Major. You did. I lied. If it's a mission no man can survive, he's the man for the job. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Commando. Let's party. I, f this is maybe my fifth favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Really? Uh, one because we were talking about uh, First Blood being just zany and crazy. This one has Arnold Schwarzenegger jumping out of landing gear of an airplane that's taking off into a swamp, and then setting sure. his watch to go. Because he knew how long the flight would take because he killed the guy who was supposed to be there to save his daughter. And then he kills a bunch of people in it. And he has really funny one-liners in it because his friend's dead tired. And, uh, he, throw, um, he throws that saw blade and cuts yeah. that guy's head off. Yeah, and he drives a Porsche. And he throws that one dude off the cliff or lets him go off the cliff. Chops uh, that guy's arm off. And remember at the beginning where he's just chopping wood? And yeah. then he has ice cream with Alyssa Milano? Yeah. It's awesome. And then, like, she puts ice cream on his nose, and he's like, oh, and he's, like, pretending to laugh. <laughs> and you brought it up. His name's Matrix. It's awesome. Oh! <laughs> Isn't it John Matrix? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, he fights in a boiler room with that one guy. I don't know why. Who cares? It's awesome. She was running. That's the largest, like, the longest boiler room in existence, because she's running through that boiler room for the entire action scene. That and the dude from Gremlins is some Colombian guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I love the movie, because it's so zany. Uh, and that's what I mean, you know, those the action movies right now started taking that huge turn where it's just everything's over the top, it's yeah. one-liners. From 85 to about 88, there were so many great action movies, <laughs> and this is one of my favorites. And it's, you know, it's really the turning point for Schwarzenegger, too, to be an action star. I mean, I mean he made Terminator and things like that, but this is the one that everyone pointed to and said, oh, he's, this is what he is and this is what he means. And Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a sweet movie. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I I I would be fascinated to know what the other four movies are. If this is your number five Schwarzenegger movie, no, no, no. He said it was his oh. his top five Schwarzenegger. You know, movies. it's funny oh. because I always flip flop. I, I want to say Predator is my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Ooh. Um, but I love True Lies. Yeah. Um, Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero. Terminator. Two. And. Uh, so that's four. Yeah. So, so there's not another swear. All right. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm always flip-flopping because there's times when I'm, you know, I'll go. Jingle oh, all the way? Like, I really you know like what? Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> but Kindergarten Cop's funny, but it's not quite as good as his other movies. Yeah. 
Twins. Twins. It's, it's funny. Yeah. Junior. Junior. End of days. <laughs> see, I, but I, eraser. See, there's things. Oh, in, eraser. See, there's things in End of Days that I freaking love. I, I love. In fact, Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman made fun of this on a Hollywood Babylon a few weeks ago, where they played the part where he's you know talking to the devil, and I freaking love that part where he's going. He's like, "You think you're bad? You're a fucking choir boy compared to me. A fucking choir boy." And he throws Satan out of the window. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and they said he overacted. I'm like, no, that's awesome. That's so I, I'm a big Schwarzenegger fan, so that's why my top ones kind of switch. But I'd probably say Predator is my favorite Schwarzenegger film. Hmm. Um, cool. But yeah, I, I love Commando. Very because cool. Remember, remember the scene where he's just putting a bunch of weapons on him. You remember that? Yes. And he blows people up with grenades, and then they can't shoot him for some reason, and he's literally just standing there and just mowing people down. You remember that? Yep. Yep. And he saws a dude's head off. Yep. That's awesome. Like his scalp. He, like, scalps <laughs> the dude with it. Yep. It's crazy. It's great. Yeah, that's my number seven. Cool. Um, well, after some of the conversation today, I have a feeling that <coughs> um, Ryan's going to, like, choke me for my number seven. Because um, my number seven is out of Africa. <laughs> it's an odd feeling. Farewell. Men go off to be tested for courage. And if we are tested at all, it's for patience, for doing without. But I'd always known that. Is life really so damn simple for you? Perhaps I ask less of it than you do. I don't believe that at all. Next time you change your mind, you do it with your money. They bought your title, Baronessa. They didn't buy me. You might have asked, Dennis. I did. She said yes. Doesn't it matter to you that I'm another man's wife? What matters to me is that you tried so hard and that you're alone now. Will you head back? the eyes of a woman who wouldn't be owned. Why is your freedom more important than mine? It isn't. And I've never interfered with your freedom. From the spirit of a man who couldn't be tamed. When did you learn to fly? Yesterday. Out of a land of beauty, mystery, and majesty. Out of Africa.
Hey, you know what? I can see why people like the film. I, I really like it. Yeah. You know, it's it's well shot. I mean, there's scenes in it that are beautiful. Uh-huh. And I love Robert Redford, so I always give Robert Redford movies a chance, you know? Yeah, and I, I just think that Meryl Streep's character is a really interesting, strong female character Really? In the when movie. she begged to keep her land? That's not strong. That, no, 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 no. Dude, you so... <laughs> you so oh, fuck you. I knew you I could so get him. I knew that. I could get him. Ah, <laughs> oh, No. See, like, see, guys, when you've done this podcast long as I have, <laughs> there's these buttons you can push on James and you just know exactly how he's going to react to it. <laughs> um... No, like the scenes, oh man, the scenes when, when she and Robert Redford are just like sitting in a room yeah. talking about why he leaves so often and what it is he does and like what freedom means and like... Wh- like Yeah, what about the horrible green screen in it though? Yes, you're right. Yeah, especially some of some of the early shots. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I don't know. Um, yeah, why would they do that? Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I think remember it's gorgeous. Remember when she got I think syphilis it's... in it? Yep. Because I do her, remember Because her husband's got. fucking African tribe people? Uh-huh. Yeah. What's that about, dude? Um, I I really like that story with him as well. Like especially in that scene when um when he basically comes and asks her for a divorce and at the end of it he's ah, man uh she says something like how is it that you are able to like do all of this stuff and keep us friends somehow and he's like cuz that's how we started. Um and it just it feels very much like a like a long dramatic epic. Um exactly and the nice what it thing is a long dramatic epic. Yeah. Um, the nice <laughs> thing is it, it ends up being more cohesive than Lawrence of Arabia. Um, uh, because yeah, yeah. at least Lawrence, of, the first half of Lawrence of Arabia is awesome. And then you talk about water for two hours where with this, the whole movie is the, like they, they're, they're not, it doesn't like switch all of a sudden. Like you could argue that the whole movie is the part where you're talking about water, but at least that's that way. I knew I know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if Lawrence of Arabia started with, "Hey, we have to solve this whole water crisis in Arabia," then Lawrence of Arabia would be a much different movie. Yeah, but in Lawrence of um, Arabia, I don't have to pretend that Meryl Streep is attractive. Oh come on, I I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not even an argument. Like, that doesn't matter to the story. It does, because Robert Redford is some dashing, good-looking guy. Okay, I'll... Sure, yes. And for him to fall for some horrible Denmarkian accent... Yeah, but he's also, he's, also, he's also sleeping with uh, Felicity on the side. Yeah, like, that's the a, whole he's conversation. A, he's a stud. I, I, he's a lot of things in that movie. Yeah, he is. No, again, the movie's well-acted, and yeah. it's well-shot. Um, I do like the part where she travels across Africa to bring cows. Yeah. Oh man, that was a cool. Yeah, that was a cool section. And then you know that then that twenty minutes passed, guys, and then I had to put up another two and a half hours of the movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, I really like it. I I think it's totally worth checking out. I mean, no, yes, you should check it, it is, out. You should it check is it out. Super long. It's a movie you should definitely see. Yeah. Um, it won seven Academy Awards. Yeah, something stupid like that. Uh-huh. Though not best actress for Meryl Streep. Yeah, best supporting actor though. Uh, that one dude. Oh, yeah. Her husband, yeah. Oh, cool. I looked that's, it up on IMDb last weird. night. That's why I know that. It's not like I have that stored in the back of my head. I'm like, well, you know. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Get out of Africa out of this fucking list. <laughs> Brad? Brad? That's uh, too re- bad because my number seven's out of Africa. Is, Is it, it really? <laughs> no. That'd be awesome. Oh, that would have been so no. good. No. Uh, yeah, I was say, you guys have to high five now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a touch pinkies. Uh, actually, my number seven's Commando, so. Oh, now you guys have to touch me. No, we fist bump. We do not touch yeah. pinkies. We're men. Should we touch dicks? Is that manly? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's go commando no. and touch dicks. 
Oh, this wow. is the worst. I love it. Dude, keep yours up. Uh, is there anything I said? <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness, my you just this made is me why break <laughs> character. This is why children can't listen to this. Uh, is there anything you want to add to it that I you didn't talk about? No, before? I mean, again, I haven't seen it in a while, and the, like the thing I do remember is uh, just him mowing down people in that mansion complex, Hell and yeah. then uh, Mac from Predator is like chasing him. Oh, that's him. right. Yeah. yeah, he's the bad guy. Then he yeah. becomes his teammate in Predator. Gonna have me some fun tonight. Yeah. Gonna have me some fun tonight. That's the guy who gets his brains blown out by the Predator. <laughs> yep. He's singing the song that they're listening to before they got dropped in Predator. Yep. Ah. It's a different. It's a because remember Jesse Ventura is his best friend. He got killed, so he was going a little crazy. Right. See that movie's deeper than you thought it was, right? No, I li- I I like Predator a lot. You Predator's should really love good. Predator. If you're doing 1987, we'd be talking about oh, it. Yeah, that, a would, lot. I, that could have been my number one <laughs> movie in 1987. I don't know. Stick cool. around. It could be. Predator line. Steve. Steve. What's number your number seven? seven? Friggin' Teen Wolf. <laughs> For Michael J. Fox, life hasn't been easy. Hello? Hi. I'm going through changes. His voice is changing. Give me a keg of beer. Is there anything wrong with me? He's got hair on his chest. He stopped being a boy. What do you think about to get worked up? At last, he's become... Scott? Scott Howard? This is your father speaking. Now open this door right this minute. A wolf. An explanation is probably long overdue. Dad, an explanation? Look at me. Look at you. He's always wanted to be something special, but he never expected this. Teen Wolf. He's got style. There's something different about you. Did you change your hair? He's got class. Wolf person. He's got hair. All over his body. Wolves aren't supposed to be shy. He's a wolf in teens' clothing. And tonight is his night to howl. Teen Wolf, a new comedy with Michael J. Fox, star of Back to the Future. (laughs) See, the thing is with that movie, though, like the memories of it is way better than the movie. Yep, exactly. (laughs) This This was the year... The year of Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Like, he he was America's sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) And then it got all shaky for him after then. No. Yes. No. Wow. Wow. Nope. Wow. Hey, he made fun of himself on the Michael J. Fox show. I can make fun of him now. It's okay. Anyways, Teen Wolf. Anyway, Teen Wolf. (laughs) Um, This is, I mean, like, this is, anyone... Sorry. Anyone could have watched Michael J. Fox like looking at camera and do like fart noises for an hour and a half and been like, "Bravo, <laughs> you're you're a, you're a teen dream, Michael J. Fox." Um, yeah, again, not not an amazing film. Um, something that's it's like I don't know. People still love it though. It's when still, I was a kid, I loved that movie. Yeah, no, I remember watching it for the first time uh, when I was I was pretty young um, and thinking like, "Oh man, this is so cool." In a way, he's a superhero. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's he. It is like a a Michael J. Fox superhero movie. 
Um, and then this guy named Jason Bateman came along, and they did something called <laughs> uh, Teen Wolf. Is it two? T O O or yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope. It's his cousin, guys. Cause you. That's the thing is, you. I watched that movie recently, and I was like, oh, "This isn't as good as I remember." No, it. Yeah. but I still like the part where he turns into a wolf and's dunking. You know, yeah, it's rad. Yeah, it's awesome. And there's a, there's a there's an outtake of that where some dude whips out his dick and the and the audience in the crowd shot. I thought it was an urban legend until I I don't know where I was watching it and they, they slowed it down and maybe I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. But that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I love your introduction of Teen Wolf. Freaking yeah. Teen Wolf. Freaking yeah, Teen Wolf. Yeah. Oh. I watched it for the first time, too, like, I think last year. And expected it to be this fun comedy, and then I didn't laugh at all. <laughs> 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 the effects weren't that great. Like, he, he barely is a wolf uh, in the movie a lot of times. He oh. calls someone a faggot. <laughs> <laughs> they say that a lot. That, that yeah. was in... Uh, I think it's in Silver Bullet too. I think they call him the fag at one point. Yeah, it's like whoa. Or and, and the Goonies. I, I, I think they say fag in the Goonies too. Who knew? See, politically incorrect now. Is it the the CW that has the Teen Wolf show? It's uh, MTV. MTV. Yeah. So so some network called MTV uh, decided <laughs> to make a show. In nineteen eighty five, is known as musical television. Yeah. And now it's just mm, they still play basketball on TV. the MTV one. <laughs> Did they ever do that? Which, by the way, the basketball's not even good in that movie. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there's, there's not much good in the yeah. movie. <laughs> but it's one of those movies when you're a kid, you know, it's cool. Even the poster, I think, is cool. You know, he's yeah. taking off a letter jacket, and he has, like, the wolf coming out of him. Yep. You know, has a Tom I Selleck I there was something on. witty in there or something, yeah. or about yeah. being a werewolf. I think, know? yeah, I think the idea of a, like, comedy about a teen who's in high school and turns into a werewolf is a great idea. I don't know where the basketball comes from. Like... Because you would think he would want all of his being a teen, like a, 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 a werewolf, to not necessarily be obvious. But when he's running around on the court as a wolf, that's the part where, he, like, th- when you take a step back, you're like, who thought of this? But I think that's, like, the, the I, wanna, I don't want to say, like, immature thinking of it, but it's, like, right. the initial, like, gut reaction of, like, oh, well, you know, teenagers, you know, high school, sports. And it's like this, like slippery slope of like skateboarding or basketball. Yeah, it has to be one of those two. <laughs> and you, so. if you had dog's legs, you could probably jump better yeah. in basketball. <laughs> this is a brilliant movie. I forget. Does he play the final game without changing and win, or does he change in the werewolf to win the final game? If I'm remembering correctly, he is the, the wolf. Okay. I want to say, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he's he's the werewolf. <laughs> so then it doesn't even like. He doesn't learn a lesson. There's no lesson. There's no lesson. Yeah, no. Yeah. He's well, like, the, the lesson is... Teen Wolf! Awesome! Does, does he end up with the uh, like his yeah. girlfriend and not the hot chick that he's been chasing yeah. the whole time? Okay. Yeah, like they get back yeah. together. I remember him jumping into the crowd and kissing her. The lesson of the movie is become a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, number six. <laughs> Speaking of creatures of the night, um, this movie was recently remade, and... I'm torn. I, I actually watched it again today to see how much Ooh. I liked this movie, and I'm torn if I like this one more or the remake. The remake, um, because in the remake, Jerry is way more sexy. Yeah. Uh, my number six pick from 1985 is Fright Night. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. 
no one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. This could be the night of your life. How did I know? Yeah, right? Ah. So, I watched this movie again today because I, I remembered pretty much all of it, but I wanted to see if it was as funny as I remembered it. I will say this, that the creature effects in this movie are, is pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, the makeup in it's really good. It's one of the things I think holds the remake back as they relied on CGI. If they just would have made these badass makeup effects, I would have loved it. Uh, but in it, a guy moves next door to Charlie Brewster, who is a vampire, and Charlie Brewster spends the rest of the movie trying to convince everybody else that there's a vampire next door. Uh, he seduces young women, and there's a gratuitous nudity, nudity in it. Um, like, this girl gets in dress in front of the window, and Chris Sarandon, who is, you know, the vampire, walks up, and he's about to take a bite, and then he realizes Charlie's watching him. And he doesn't, and he closes the curtain door, and then the next day on the news, he finds out this, the girl he saw was mutilated, uh, the the movie is pretty uh, hardcore. I mean, it's a it gets a pretty strong R because there's hmm. lots of violence. Uh, there's a transformation where his best friend in this one transforms into a wolf, and he's killed by Peter Vincent's character. And the transformation back to a human after he gets staked in the heart is amazing hmm. and really kind of scary. Yeah, so right. uh, it, the movie is really fun, and I can see why it, it's maybe one of the most well-regarded horror movies from the 80s. I will say that the Colin Farrell Jerry is way better in the remake because he has those really cool lines. And uh, But, you know, Chris Sarandon does fine. It's just... Yeah. He's no Colin Farrell. I think I said last week that I, I like the remake so much I wish I could put that <laughs> the, the original yeah. on my top ten list for 1985 because I like that remake so much. And as a guy who doesn't like horror movies... Ah, but see, here's another one. When I was at the video store, this box art was amazing to me. Oh, yeah. Because it has that like, vamp- vampirous face in the clouds and stuff. It's right. really great. Well, it's that one from the, like, his girlfriend. From yeah. The end, yeah. Which so, is a good one. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, because I knew it was going to be on my list. I didn't know where I was going to put it, though. And after watching almost all these movies again this week, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm really comfortable where it's at. And it's just, it's, it's a really popular movie. And it's a shame that it's only on limited edition Blu-rays because mm. it sucks. Because they only make three thousand of them. If you don't get that movie the day it, they put it out, you won't be able to get it. I think it's on a hundred. It's one hundred eighty dollars on Amazon right now. Wow! Because there's only three thousand of them. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. But so yeah, Fright Night. It's a great one. Cool, James. Uh, my number six is uh, another sort of fun adventure space movie. Um, only instead of kids this time, how about old people? Because my number six is Cocoon. Yeah. 
describe the farthest corner of a distant galaxy and the deepest feelings of the human soul comes a fantasy to fill your heart. I feel tremendous. I'm ready to take all the world. It is everything you've dreamed of. It is nothing you expect. Oh, I can keep a secret. I won't tell anybody. It's hard to know who to trust. It is the mystery of an awesome secret. It is the miracle of everlasting life. We'll never be sick. We won't get any older and we won't ever die. Beyond the innocence of youth and the wisdom of age lies the wonder of Cocoon. <laughs> 20th Century Fox presents... from the producers of Jaws and the director of Splash. Cocoon. I so loved lame. this movie. No, I loved this movie as a kid. Yeah, um, as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand, like, the jokes about boners or anything like that, but I still <laughs> He still really doesn't. He's like, what's a boner? Yeah. <laughs> Blue steel. I thought this movie was really boring when I was Why a kid. is boner really? always funny? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know what Boner, it is. Boner, I barely know her. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of like that, uh, it's kind of like the episode of Twilight Zone, Kick the Can, um, where there's just something really charming about watching this, uh, this group of older people. Well, so, if you haven't seen Cocoon, basically, old people find some alien pods, put them in a pool in their old folks' home. When they swim in the pool, they feel young again. That's the, that's the movie. Um, can we just talk more about uh, Kick the Can? Because it's an amazing Twilight Yes, <laughs> we can also just talk more about Kick the Can. Um, but the, similar to Kick the Can, this is just a, a really heartwarming, um, fun story where you get to watch old people have a good time again. And, you know, it, it's touching at times. It's, it's cool to see, like, a movie that really revolves around older people as main characters in a way that's not, like, pandering necessarily. Um, and I just, I, I think it's a neat idea for a movie, right? Like it's not the same as every other sci-fi adventure comedy kind of movie. Um, and it was just one that my whole family really loved when I was a kid. So it has stuck with me for quite a while. I remember when I was in college, um, my mom every now and then would send like a package of just stuff, you know, like a care package up to me when I was living in the dorms. And every time oh, she Oh, that's would, adorable. Yeah. Uh, you know, she'd throw some candy or whatever in there. And then she would always get, like, a DVD from, from the Walmart, and Cocoon was one of those. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, it's a cool movie, uh, and I think definitely worth checking out. I do have to say that I love that your parents love movies as much as they do. Yeah. And they love good movies. Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about this recently. I, I don't know if it was you, Dan, but when I was a kid, you know, every Friday night was movie night. So, like, that was the night that we, as a family, would all sit down and, like, cook something special and watch a movie every week. Um and they would go through these periods where there were a couple of things. There was there were there were people at our actually our local blockbuster who were really good at recommending um, movies that fit for our family because mm-hmm. my brother is seven years older than I am. So if you put the four of us in a room, you got two parents and then like a kid who's five and a kid who's twelve, and those two kids have very different tastes in movies at that yeah, time. Yeah, like Jake loves E.T. Right, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but a movie like Cocoon or The Explorers. Um, because of my brother's taste in like sci-fi and that kind of stuff, 
he's going to still be interested in and I'm going to be entertained to some degree. I mean, maybe not at five, but maybe at seven or eight. Um, and so it was, it was the, they were movies that crossed that boundary really well. Um, and then they would also go through like periods where they would sort of try to educate us so that they'd like every week for five or six weeks we would watch musicals and different, you know, it's how I saw Singing in the Rain for the first time, how I turned off Oklahoma halfway through for the first time. <laughs> um, you know, just because we, they, we would give these things a shot and, and you know, try to work through See, that's whole a, span. The reason why I love that story so much is because when I was a kid, like I was telling you, I'd pick the box art with the horror stuff. Right. It's because my family was divorced, so we always had this fracture in our family. Right. And so I, I didn't care. I watched movies by myself because right. no one else in my family. I told the story. The reason I love Night of the Living Dead is because when I was at Walgreens at 99 cents, my brothers picked, you know, Heckle and Jekyll or Felix the Cat or whatever the fuck they picked. And I picked Night of the Living Dead because I wanted to be left alone and I wanted to watch yeah. these movies and they just connected with me. And that's why you'll always find horror movies more in my list because. So it's, it's really interesting the two different dynamics where, mm -hmm. you know, you spent time and you're well raised and. I was raised. <laughs> I, I was raised by a TV. And, oh, that's horrible. Well, well I mean, because my mom, when no, my I, mom and dad first got divorced, you know, back then they would always just award custody to the mother, and I, my mom would work at night. She worked at Red Rocks Community College as a processor at the beginning, and as she was going through and you know getting promoted and going through school, she had to wait. And so she worked at nights at Marie Callender's. And so she would always take us to Blockbuster or the video store up the street. And she said, well, you guys can rent whatever movies you want. My brothers would always pick, like, the Explorers or some stupid shit. And, <laughs> and I would always go to the horror section. I'd pick Child's Play or something. And I knew they wouldn't want to watch them with me, so they'd leave me alone. And, you know, my older brother was an asshole. He's better now, but, you know. So it's just interesting to me to hear. Yeah. Know. But your parents were like that, too, right? Didn't you have, like, a huge laser disc set up and things like that? Or projector? Um, yeah, when I was older, but uh, we would watch stuff together yeah. on that. It's nice. Um, when we did Blockbuster, like VHS, I think I w rented the Ninja Turtles cartoon over and over again. So, See, and I love, too, when Blockbuster used to have the VHSs where you'd flip over the clamshell and it had the description of the movie. Yeah. And then I'd get yeah. pissed when it had, like, the Blockbuster, uh, like, advertisements oh, on the backwards yeah you know and then it would cover it up. yeah yeah no, that was horrible so yeah that's me being dorky so anything else on cocoon sorry i just went on a weird no cocoon's really good people uh, should check it out if you've never seen it like it's a it's a fun little movie um that's different than anything you've ever seen so cool brad oh yeah it's my turn six six uh my six is brazil so ah. oh, boo i'll still give <laughs> you that our first oh, yeah no. and and now do something weird because that movie's so fucking weird well, we high-fived at a wide angle, so... Nice. nice. <laughs> you did a high-five, and one of the, the point of views was one of your hands, so yeah. it was... <laughs> also, there was some clowns. Just, <laughs> just because. Around, yeah. Just because. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything to add? No, Steve covered it. I mean, it's a creative, clever, weird movie. Um, I do fall asleep sometimes, because it, like, towards the end, it does kind of meander, uh, like, where's this going, but... I mean, I, I just appreciate originality and creativity. So it's like how James explained all of Terry Gilliam's movies. Good job, James. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, what's your six? Um, I know he. I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he doesn't say this in the movie. Uh, he says it in an earlier one. But yo, Adrian, it's Rocky IV. Oh. Today, the Soviet Union has officially entered professional boxing. <laughs> 
This is not just an exhibition fight. Look, this is us against them. He would like to compete against anyone who is qualified. Drago is the most perfectly trained athlete ever. Whatever he hits, he destroys. He could have stopped the fight. He could have saved his best friend's life. I'll never forget you, Apollo. But now, the one thing he can't do is walk away. Has the fight date been set yet? December 25th. Where? It's in Russia. Are you nuts? Miss Balboa, when will you be going to Russia? I'm not going to Russia. I don't know what you're talking about. He's had one professional fight, and one man is dead. To baby, he's going to have to kill me. Why can't you change your thinking? Because I'm a fighter. You can't win! this on my list it's not on your list at all i really should have yeah what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) um this one rude sorry (laughs) (laughs) um again sort of like uh beyond thunderdome it's out of all the rocky films it's not the greatest not the strongest um does have a robot in it (laughs) does have a freaking cool robot in it (laughs) um which, again, this is a movie that I watched on TV a lot when I was a kid. Mm. Um, it seems like it was always on, so I always watched it. And even when I was that at that young of an age, I was like, man, this is this is weird and not really that that great. But it does have a cool <laughs> robot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's a fun, fun Rocky movie. And um, I think I like it better than, like, the, um, the newer... Has there been one newer Rocky movie, and then they're coming out with another one? You right? like four better than Rocky Balboa? Well, since this one, there's been five, and then Balboa. That's right. Yeah, and the Creed's coming out this year. Oh yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I like. I think I like this one better than those ones. Um, but yeah, it's a so he's four. Your second favorite Rocky movie? Yes. Like behind Rocky. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a good one. Um, and one note too. You mentioned how. Uh, when you, you you do the movie night with your family and you had you know your brother seven years o- right. older than you, um, I'm the oldest of six kids. Mm. Uh, so when we did movie nights, it was nearly impossible <laughs> to pick <laughs> a movie that everyone uh, could watch. Yeah. And also, my parents were really cautious about what we would watch. Right. So even when it was like something that I could like watch by myself, and because I knew my siblings wouldn't watch it with me, it still wasn't something like cool or rated R because my parents were pretty. You know, they wanted to make sure I was. You know. Right. Well adjusted. Well adjusted. <laughs> yeah. You grew up in a cocoon. Zing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry. Yeah. Love it. Rocky Four. Cool. Love it. 
Um, Number five. The halfway point. The uh-huh. halfway point. Man, not too many repeats. This isn't going to be another repeat, too. Uh, again, I love horror movies, and this one is out of control. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the number five film on my list, The Reanimator. Herbert West is at the top of his class in medical school. How can you teach such drivel? These people are here to learn, and you're closing their minds before they even have a chance. What are He's you? brilliant, but a little weird. I've broken the six to 12 minute barrier. I've conquered brain death. His experiments have always been unorthodox. It was dead. But lately, they're getting out of hands. And he's just made a discovery that could wake up the dead. Herbert West has affected reanimation in dead animal tissue. What are you thinking? How do you feel? You? 15 cc's of reagent being once you wake up the dead, you've got a real mess on your hands. Homer, you're insane! Now what happened? I had to kill him! He's dead? Not anymore. Herbert West brought a lot of dead people back to life, and not one of them showed any appreciation. H.P. Lovecraft's classic tale of horror, Reanimator. Mr. West. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head get a job in a sideshow? It will scare you to pieces. This one is balls to the wall, out of control, gory, silly movie. In it, uh, what's the one doctor's name? He's, he, he invents a serum that can bring dead things back to life. And it's basically Jeffrey Combs trying to bring people back to life in it. And it backfires on him and he has to kill a bunch of people. And then Barbara Crampton's naked in it a lot. And she gets eaten out by a zombie. What? Yep. A severed head zombie. What? Not, yep. e- not eaten, eaten, eaten out. out. Yeah, I didn't what? stutter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't stutter. It's a really bizarre movie directed by Stuart Gordon, who makes really unusual movies. He huh. also made From Beyond, which I think is earlier. Or is it two years later? I want to say it's earlier, but I, I can't remember. Um, it might be later. I mean, whatever. They're both goofier than shit. <laughs> um, but Reanimator is actually a really kind of funny movie. It's a really gory and over the top. And even though I said you know a zombie eats her out, it's actually kind of a funny scene. Um, I can't describe it because it just sounds weird. You really have to watch it. And for you to fully appreciate what Reanimator is, you have to watch it. Because it also has really great practical effects in it. And I love the 80s practical effects for horror movies. That's why I love zombie, zombie beavers last night <laughs> so much. Because in that, the beavers were literally puppets. And yeah. oh. you should see it. Oh. <laughs> I don't think there's any CGI ones in the movie. Mm, no, I don't think so. Yeah, they're all I mean, even the ones that were in the water were there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this movie has really great effects done, done by John Beekler, who... Went on to direct Friday the 13th Part 7. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just a weird movie. I can't describe it because it makes me sound weird, like I just did, and why I enjoy it. But it's so bizarre, I couldn't... I couldn't tell what you, why you should enjoy it, but you'll enjoy it. 
Yeah. Because it's just so out there. And, and Jeffrey Combs is amazing. Unique. In the film, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's unique. From Beyond is uh, 86. 86, so, so it's the next year. Yeah. I know Stuart Gordon went through this period where he would just make HP, adapt HP Lovecraft f- films and uh, have Beekler do the special effects. And yeah. It's just like gooey and faces melting and <laughs> and then i mean the end of reanimator has them going to different dimensions if i remember correctly what? yeah it's uh, like the monsters are coming from it's really weird hmm. but you should see it it's it's fun it's it's a horror comedy i know it doesn't sound like it at all but yeah it really is weird yeah so weird. pick up reanimator it's cheap on blu-ray cool james so uh my number five i'm gonna st- i'm i'm almost cheating so I have to draw attention to it. Technically, I'm listening. First showed. At, <laughs> technically, first showed at the New York uh, Film Festival in October of '84, but its official release is January 18th of 1985. My number five is Blood Simple. Why'd you take this? What do you mean? Just doing my job. Call a fringe benefit. How long are you watching? Most of nine. They'd rest every few minutes and get started again. Quite some. Got a job for you. It's in reference to that gentleman or my wife. The more I think about it, the more irritated I get. the other day yeah so it depends on which list you look at so like if you go to imdb it's it's tagged as an 84 film but like <laughs> in um box office bojos it's there in in 85 i was I gonna do the same thing with crime wave from sam raimi but i decided not to really oh. is it, it it's it's like that yeah it's it's listed made in 85 it wasn't released till april of 86 so i thought oh, that might really? be stretching it too much so you were going the other way yeah well i know with crime wave they took the film out of his hands and re-edited it. Oh. And so I think it sat on the shelf for a long time. Huh. And okay. they made $5,000. Because I just thought for sure it was going to be on your list just because it was Sam Raimi. Um, well, I was going to cheat. It, it, I was going to do call Pulling a Brad. <laughs> right. It's yeah, exactly. It's known in Film Explosion. That's why, that's why I had to draw attention to it because I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to pull a Brad. I have to make sure but, I get in front of this. But <laughs> what actually made me sway, too, is Crime Wave's uh, box office showed up in 86. Right. 
So if it shows up in 85, then it counts as an 85 release, right? Well, and yeah, like I said, like there were only there was only one theater in, like one showing in all of America you could have seen it in in uh, 1984. So uh, yeah, it's a 1985 movie. Um, I didn't see Blood Simple until after I was well into the Coen brothers. So I was probably 19 or 20 the first time I saw it. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's it's rougher than a lot of their movies, just because it is it's their first film. It's it's lower budget, um, but shows a lot of the the tropes that you see from their movies. Like it's it's you know a noir crime thriller that takes place in in the central USA. Um, I think Frances McDormand is the is the part of that movie that really makes it stick with me, though, because her character is um, she's tough. She's interesting to follow you feel like she is very much in danger and yet she is smart enough to try and find some ways to get through it uh and there's some really terrifying moments near the end of that movie when um the bad guy who i won't spoil is chasing her through that house um there is specifically a moment with a hand through a wall and a knife and it is awesome like it's just it's so satisfying at the time and they've they've so carefully built up the that that story and that thriller that when that all comes to pass you're like oh man like this is exactly what i wanted um it's very obvious why if you were some kind of producer at that time and you saw this movie you would kind of go like okay we need to take these guys and make them do something else like give them a little bit more money and do this again because with very little they are accomplishing quite a bit um so i think it's definitely worth checking out especially if you are somebody who really likes the Fargo's, the No Countries, the you know that those specific thriller Coen Brothers movies, um, don't miss this one because it's really cool. So, what makes it great is like a neo noir. Is yeah. that you know what's great about the old ones is that you know, um, the directors and the cinematographers would you know cut up the frame with you know shadow and light. Um, so this is you know obviously not a black and white film, but because the Coen Brothers are just amazing filmmakers and this is a great noir. They still can do that, right? With, like shadow and smoke, and I think specifically in scenes like that, where like you know, like I think there's one shot where it's like the bullets. Is it bullets that are coming through the wall? Yeah. And there's like the smoke, and it's like, oh my god, it's so gorgeous. Um, and it's such a, it's so greasy, and everyone's so low down and, and grimy, um, but it's so, it's so like riveting and thrilling, and it, you wouldn't expect it in that kind of like you said, like this kind of middle America, kind of honky tonk, everyone like spit bucket kind of like you know roundabout people but it's it's really an amazing film it's funny that you bring it up there's something about like it it looks like it was filmed in the 70s mm-hmm. um and i don't know if it's because of the budget or because of intentionally the way that they either like either the the kind of film that they're using or the way that they're shooting i mean the only colors you're right like the the when you look at a shot of it and there's some people in it, like you can, their skin has color to it, but it does feel like sort of a black and white or like just that sort of early 70s look when, yeah, there's technically color there, but it almost looks like it's not or it, or it doesn't look genuine, um, which when you compare it to how great some of the other movies that year looked, um, how crisp and very modern they looked. Um, I think it's a mixture of both of those just because, I mean, the Coen brothers are some of those directors who are like the students of film kind right. of like people where like you can see where their films are coming from if you look backwards. Right. Um, so I think it is definitely a mixture of like being inspired by 
70s film, which is obviously one of the greatest eras of film ever, and then a mixture of them having such a low budget. Yeah. Oh, man. Because filmmakers like the Coen brothers don't need a big budget because they're such great storytellers. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Great job, James. Thank you. Good sneak. It's why I cheated. (laughs) Brad, you're number five. Uh, my number five, I have to ask... Uh, it's Children of Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from 2006, that makes sense. Uh, I have to actually have to, I have to ask Steve a question. How come you've never shown us the uh, basement of the Alamo, Steve? There's a basement in the Alamo? No. Is this a joke? <laughs> <laughs> it is a joke. Apparently. Ryan's on the white rib. Right yeah, I, There's no, no basement know, at the Alamo. My number five is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warner Brothers is proud to present the story of a guy. Warning, I'm here. And his bike. James Bond kind of stuff. Together for the first time in their first big movie. I meant to do that. Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya. <laughs> what? Well? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I totally <laughs> went over my head. Wow. Which is uh, going to make me sound stupid in a few slots. Ooh. <laughs> don't, progr- don't program that one too much, huh? I want to program it more. <laughs> Yo, it's <laughs> such a good movie. That movie is so brilliant. It's I so just yeah. recently rewatched it, and it's... My favorite Tim Burton movie because it's before You're he was saying a lot <laughs> because it's before he was Tim Burton, so he's not obnoxious yet. Um, yeah, you know he's not making Alice in Wonderland and oh, Dark that, Shadows that and stuff. Tim Burton, okay. Yeah, the Hot Topic Tim Burton, <laughs> and you know it's just so zany and it's everybody lives in this world ex- except for Pee Wee. Pee Wee's like in his own world throughout this whole film, and it's just well done. It's really funny. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, and you have to be older to appreciate some of the jokes in it. You know, the part where he dresses up as drag and the, the convict he's with is getting really turned on by him dancing around is just brilliant. And yeah, Brad, Brad, why do you like it? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck Brad. Who cares? He'll say, I love this movie. It's fun. It was a good time. Uh, no, it's. Yeah, it's weird and zany, and, like, as a kid, I remember being actually scary, like, yeah. when, uh, what's her name? Yeah. When the truck comes. Oh, uh, Large Marge. Large Marge, yeah. Um, Genuinely scared me as a kid. Well, I was afraid yeah. of E.T. Why, so. why the movie is so, that part's so good, though, is he walks in, he gets in, he's like, thanks for picking me up. I didn't know if I'd be out there so long. It was on a night. She doesn't even say anything else. She yeah. just goes right into her story. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the car goes over the edge, and, mm-hmm. um... One of the funny things is uh, in 
Batman Returns, the the woman from the diner that he sits in the the dinosaur with mm-hmm. is his, because he plays the Penguin's dad in that flashback. Oh, that's right. And yeah. his wife, you know, uh, is that woman too. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, nice. I have to watch that movie again. Um, yeah, and just like, do you? <laughs> it's my favorite t- Tim Burton Batman. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. It just it's so weird and bizarre and. Um, just kind of exists in its like it has its own brand of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've said it many times. It has one of my favorite line deliveries ever. Is when he's staying the night in the Tyrannosaurus Rex's, Rex's mouth, which I've always wanted to do. And <laughs> she comes out with him after she's telling him about how bad her boyfriend Andy is. And she says, "Andy," and then he just looks at him and goes, "Andy." I just freaking love how that's delivered. And then he just runs and jumps on that train. <laughs> And he's sitting with the hobo, and the hobo wants to sing Jimmy Crack Corn again, and he just jumps off because he can't take it anymore. <laughs> There's, like, so many stupid bits in it. I, I freaking love that movie. It shows up later. On I got list. some bad news for you. Uh, I listened to the Tim Burton commentary mm-hmm. on that disc, and uh, which is, like, one of the most boring commentaries because – there's like long stretches where he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He's by himself the whole time. <laughs> Pretty sure, yeah. Aww. But uh, they talk about the dinosaur park, and it's it's like a strip mall now. Is it really? Oh. Like it's gone. So you'll never go there. Fuck. I knew I should have gone there as a kid instead yeah. of Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the Tyrannosaurus that's Rex. Uh, so yeah, that's my number five, and I guess now we can bring Dan in. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Dan. <laughs> yeah, fucking finally. Jesus. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, like some of these movies that you guys like the color purple i need to watch yeah um cocoon i have wanted to watch for a while but you know whatever I, I I, it. i'm gonna come out of this with a good list of movies i need to watch what i have seen though uh at number five is fletch oh for god darn darn what is this man saying what is this man doing what in the hell's the matter with you what is this man's name my name is igor stravinsky hi there i'm uh, harry s truman i'm uh, don corleone they call him Fletch. Fletch! Fletch! Fletch, that yeah, Fletch. He's good at defending himself. You better tie your shoelaces. <laughs> Disguising himself. <laughs> and getting himself into trouble. Well, it be Fletch. Go ahead. Make my day. He's a reporter. There are no tags on these mattresses. Who's about to write the story of a lifetime. Will you kill me? Sure. If he lives. Thanks a lot! There isn't a woman he can't charm. Can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo. A question he won't ask. You and your wife are currently alive, I take it. Drop your shorts and bend over, Mr. Babar. A risk he won't take. Probably feel 100% Moon River. To get to the truth. It looks like you two have a lot to talk over. We'll just catch the last 10 minutes of Dynasty. Universal Pictures presents Chevy Chase as Fletch. My hero. Welcome to it. Um, and so the problem with Fletch is that I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. But I remember liking it a whole lot. Um, Chevy Chase is very much a like you love him or you hate him for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but at that time, though, I really liked him. You know, sure. from, it, from the vacation movies yeah. and well, it, well, let's not talk about stuff. the let's not talk about the vacation movie that actually came out in '85 because that's the bad one. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. we're going to talk about of, that. One. All, I would literally rather watch Vegas Vacation. I actually like Vegas Vacation. I do too. But <laughs> saying, but, <laughs> but um, it, like it's uh, Chevy Chase is a reporter. He works for a newspaper and. 
he like the whole the gimmick of the movie is that he has all these disguises and characters to get into places to get information um to get to get the hot scoop on the story um but what it really is is just chevy chase like dry delivering all these really funny lines because that's what he's good at um and uh, it's just got that like 80s like music in between every like scene transition and yep. Uh, it's just, I don't know, like, it's probably not very good, but I really like it. it. And it's one of Kevin Smith's favorite movies, and he references it a lot when he's talking about humor and stuff in his movies. It's a movie I haven't seen in a long time, that's why I didn't put it on my list, but I do remember being younger and watching it on USA and, like, loving it. <laughs> sure, You yeah. know, uh, my, my dad would always show me those kind of movies where they're kind of silly and funny, and, yeah, I always liked Fletch. If I haven't seen it in years, I should get the Blu-ray, but there's nothing on the Blu-ray that makes me want to get it. Hmm. Fletch is on the Blu-ray. It is, but, <laughs> but when, I, when, I, when I make that eight ninety nine purchase, I want to make sure I get like a trailer or something with it. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fletch, Fletch, number five. Cool. Sweet. Not Felch. It's a different movie. <laughs> not, not, not Felch and not Fletcher. That's maybe something yeah. else. I have no idea. Cool. Um, Brad, sorry again for missing your uh, your Pee Wee joke. It's okay. You have to live with it. I do. <laughs> Not me. Live with it forever. <laughs> um, my number five um, is not the color purple, but has to do with the color purple. <laughs> the Purple Rose of Cairo. You know, I still can't get over the fact that 24 hours ago I was in an Egyptian tomb. I didn't know any of you wonderful people. I gotta speak to you. You mean me? Tom Baxter's come down off the screen and he's running around New Jersey. How can he come off the screen? It's impossible. It's never happened before in history. In New Jersey, anything can happen. Come away with me to Cairo. Cairo? But you just met each other. Love at first sight doesn't only happen just in the movies. You coming from a costume party? No, I'm just back from Cairo where I uh, searched in vain for the legendary Purple Rose. How about that? I wonder what it's like out there. Hey, what the hell kind of movie is this? Why don't you stop yapping? We've got problems of our own. I told you I could not do Obviously, your marriage has come to an impasse, sir. I'm not Tom. I'm Gil Shepard. I play Tom. What? How do you know Tom? You Oh, my God, I don't believe it. Where is he? Why? Do you want to tie me up? kind of a club is this, anyhow? Got to get him back in the picture. Then we turn off the projector and burn the prints. And the negative. See, there you go, Tom. You're ruining everything. You are. You're the one. I saw the movie just last week. This is not what happened. I'm confused. I'm married. I, I just met a wonderful new man. He's fictional, but you can't have everything. Yes. Cool. Do, do you remember in the Purple Rose of Cairo when you you went down there and does anyone see the Chris Farley show where he interviews Jeff Bridges and he just talks about the Purple Rose of Cairo? It's great. Anyways, go ahead. That, that actually is one of the one of the better uh, better. I mean, not, I'm saying not better. All of Chris Farley stuff is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the best things. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Um, yeah. So I think again, despite Woody Allen being the human being he is. Um, he is able to successfully like translate to the screen what a lot of art and movie lovers wish and like could fantasize about. You know, so like in you know Midnight in Paris, it's like, oh man, it'd be so cool to you know go back in time and hang out with all my 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 art heroes. You know, so wouldn't it be great if you know you were in a theater watching this movie you've been watching a million times and then like you know Schwarzenegger or someone some cool actor that comes down and comes off the screen and you know you get to hang out with them. You mean like Last Action Hero? Yeah, like the Last Action Hero, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's a it's a 
Woody Allen's Last Action Hero is the <laughs> Sweet. Mm. That should be on the Blu-ray. <laughs> That's the most amazing way to sell that movie. Oh. I'll, you can quote me on that one. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of the best uh, movies about movies. Um, I think it's one of Woody Allen's best like structured scripts. Um, the rhythm in it and the way it's it's played out. Wait really a minute, it's better than What's Up, Tiger Lily? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that's yes. really reaching in yeah, the that's, movie that's, fans. That's, that's the going deep. deep. That was like that was wasn't his first. Was it his uh, first? Or no, no, it was like one of his one of his first. But ones. he basically kung pao a movie. Took like this Asian movie and redubbed yeah, it. Redubbed it. Yeah, it's funny. Huh. It's, it's it's not stupid. great. It's funny though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- again, like the weird thing about it is like again, Woody Allen being the person he is, it kind of seeps into the film where it's like yeah. dealing with relationships in an unhealthy way and weird fantasies and. So it's, uh, there's things in there where you can reach. If you're really digging deep, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But, again, for the most part, it's it's charming. It's funny. Yeah, Jeff Bridges is really great in it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, that's my number five. Sweet. Cool. Uh, my number five guy is halfway there. Okay, we haven't had very many repeats. I was no. worried that we're going to have a lot of repeats. You should on be this. on number four. Oh, I am on number four. Man. <laughs> Uh, my number four. You know what the '80s gave us, guys? Uh, yes, all of these gratuitous movies. nudity. Okay. Violence, punk rock. Oh, I'm getting so excited for this. <laughs> my number four movie of 1985 is Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. In the dark of the night. Something strange is going on. You see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Sure. They ship those bodies. Well, say hello. The dead have risen from the grave. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is, how do we get them back into the ground? Frank, we have a little problem. Boiler! Ten right! Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. Ah! How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. Cops. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank! In the movie line? 
It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return of the living dead. Has anybody else seen Return of the Dead besides yes. me and James? I own it. Uh, it's probably... How do I... It's one of my favorite zombie movies because it takes what you what you know about zombie movies and kind of makes it funny. It, it's it's definitely one of the it's definitely the first zombie comedy. And yeah, it's it's like a Shaun of the Dead only before anybody knew how to do that well. Exactly. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. In it, they they basically take it was written by the guy who wrote Night of the Living Dead, which is John A. Russo, and he actually wrote a book, which I own, called Return of the Living Dead, and it is nothing like the movie. Dan O'Bannon, who wrote Alien, wanted to direct a movie, and they said, well, we have a couple projects for you. This is at Orion, when Orion was popular. And they said... And around. And around. And some guy singing outside. And they, they said, we have a couple scripts. He took the Return of the Living Dead script, and he decided he was going to make it a horror comedy. And in it, they, the Night of the Living Dead actually happened, and what ha- they were able to contain it, and they put these zombies inside these containers called um, Trioxin, I think is the name. Yeah. Called zombie sure. bags. Yeah. <laughs> I, sh- I, I should really know the name. Anyway, I've seen this movie Ziplocs. probably 20 times. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Trioxin. Um, Sounds great. Trioxin. Trioxin something like that. Uh, anyways, so the clue uh, Gulliger and Tom Matthews, I forget their names, they go down, and they he's going to show them the... The zombie, and he, they accidentally break it open. It goes through the chimney, and it rains, and it goes into the cemetery, and it brings all the zombies to life. And in it, these zombies run, and then there's this naked punk rock chick who turns into a zombie the whole time. Well, she's naked before she's yeah. a punk rock well, yeah, zombie, too. Well, that's how she gets she's just, naked. Yeah, she, she's, she's, she's like, always naked. Doesn't, isn't death so fucking hot or something like whatever she says? Uh. And then she dies, and she comes back as a zombie who's naked. And... <laughs> Yeah, and it's just a really bizarre movie, but it's really funny. And well, because there's like, like right after they first break open the stuff, uh, and they and you get that first zombie. Like you've got these two or three guys who are doing what what feels like almost slapstick comedy, yeah. like arguing about what they're supposed to do now, and like yeah, cause whether or not you know whether or not their their job is really safe, or like or whether or not they like their job now that they understand like how unsafe it is, and uh, yeah, it's. And it's really, it's the first movie that popularized the brains stuff, where zombies want to eat right. brains. Because in Romero's earlier stuff, they just ate people. Right. And so, yeah, it's a really fun movie. I promise you, if you go out and get this Blu-ray, you won't be sad. No. Because the movie is so out of control. Yeah. And I think the Blu-ray is like $4. Yeah. You can get a lot worse for $4. <laughs> and it also has a commentary track of zombies, and it's really obnoxious, so, you know, you can... Listen to that. It's literally Wait. just a commentary track of moaning. Like, <laughs> brains, brains. For like an hour? Hour and 35 minutes. Wow. That's horrible. Yeah, I, I mean, I turned it off, obviously. <laughs> but the Dan O'Bannon uh, commentary is poured over from like a 2000 Blu-ray uh, DVD. He died a few years ago. So it's cool to hear him talk. And, cool. Um, so, I, yeah, I love Return of the Living Dead. It's a really fun one. Yeah. I, I regret not getting it on my list. I... It's a movie that I don't know how often I would actually watch it, which is sort of why I was kind of like, meh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it is pretty awesome. Yep. And it's pretty violent. So if you like, you know, violence and zombies. I mean, they do such a good job. There's a part where the zombie is cut in half, and she's talking on the uh, operation table or something, and there's spinal fluid coming out of her spine. So I mean, it's cool little touches like that that I love. Yeah. James, number four? My number four is witness 
Um, so yeah, we've talked about it before. I, I love this movie. Um, really great performance by Harrison Ford and just a cool, uh, like sort of mystery thriller story. Um, definitely one that you could, you could recommend to anyone and they will probably like that movie unless they are very turned off by the, the one shot of Kelly McGillis naked that has been referenced so many times, but um, yeah, it's re- it's really great. Talking in slow motion. <laughs> Remember when she's in Top Gun and yes. she gets naked with Tom Cruise after he has his volleyball game? Yeah. <laughs> volleyball. I just watched the sun- Always Sunny where they make a really uh, when they make Lethal Weapon six and they have that super gay <laughs> volleyball scene that they steal from Top Gun. <laughs> uh, I just today watched the episode of uh, Eastbound and Down where. His friend Shane has died, and he goes to the <laughs> funeral and is like, clearly now that Shane died, he's Goose and I'm Maverick. <laughs> Where Shane died all by himself. Right. <laughs> he's found it down. Check it out. Oh, that's really good. All <laughs> right. So number four. Brad? Kenny Powers Well, is my number four is Rambo First Blood Part Two. so <laughs> been there, done oh, that. Oh, very cool. Sweet, At least yeah. I got you back. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a good one. It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous in an awesome First way. First Blood is like an amazing, good movie, and then Rambo Two is just like let's only do the ridiculous murder parts. <laughs> ridiculous. Like he just goes parts. to the other side of the yep the earth and yeah, mows just, down, just kills all of the Asians. Yeah. Who cares? There's billions of them. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or is it now only hundreds of millions after oh. Rambo got done? Yeah. <laughs> He does oh, not like that shit. part of the world. Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> he goes to Burma, <laughs> wastes a whole bunch of... Oh, one of my favorite... Uh, you mentioned the UHF. I love in Hot Shots Part Deux, where Charlie Sheen is just mowing down all these people, and there's a body count counting. <laughs> that's like more than Commando, more than First Blood. <laughs> bloodiest movie ever. <laughs> he goes, yeah! <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Dan, num- number four. Hi. Uh, number four is Witness. No! <laughs> Bam! Bam! So I almost yeah, unplugged everything trying to yeah, high five you. Oh, you. Don't do that. Witness. Oh, that's cool. We almost went off the grid because of witness. Um, Whoa! Oh. Ah, that was good. <laughs> also, please, nobody look I'm at me as joke. I sit like a kindergarten over here. Um, He'll never yeah, hear like, it. I don't, I don't know what to say that hasn't been said. It's a good, fun, cool, like thrilling, really well done movie. I haven't yep. seen it in a while. I probably need to see it again, but I really like it. Um, yeah. Witness is good. It's a good yeah. film. They yes, made. it is. Uh, I like the scene in the grain silo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, grain silo. I forgot about I that. I like the scene where they build a barn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Cool. Sweet. Steve? So I think, are you, <laughs> Ryan, I, I don't know if you want, if you don't want to spoil it if it's higher up there, but I'm guessing you're the only one who hasn't doesn't have witness on there. I don't. Okay, cool. So everyone else has has witnessed them. Yeah, crazy. Well, wow. why is number three your witness? Number four. Number number or ten was number a witness. Four. Oh, that's right. Me, yeah. No, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. First one. Yeah, yeah we high fived over it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, number four. Um, obviously, I don't want to say too much about this one because I'm sure we'll all have something to say about it. I'm sure it's someone's number one too. It's the power of love. Back to the future. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Well, history is going to change. And 1985 is not his year. But Dr. Brown is about to change all that. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? 
He's sending Marty 30 years back in time. Now, he's trapped in the past. This has got to be a dream. About to meet... Chocolate. ...his future father. He's a peeping tough. Wow! And he's making an impression on his mother. He's an absolute dream. And he can sleep in my room. Anything you do could have serious repercussions on future events. Now, he's got to make his mother and father fall in love. I haven't even been born yet. And only Dr. Brown... Can help him get back to the future. Are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Precisely. Michael J. Fox. Whoa, this is heavy. Christopher Lloyd. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Back to the future. Number four. Yep. Only four. I, yep. I, 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 I want to hit you yeah, so bad right now. I knew I was going to get flack. I knew. Wow. Um, That's okay. It's not my number one either. What? Yeah. Um, Earth Angel. Does that mean nothing to you? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Um, besides all the uh, the rapey stuff about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Incestuous stuff. Both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, think about it. It's rapey, incestuous stuff. Remember um, when that movie ends and uh, Marty hires the guy who tried to wait, rape his wife in high school to wash their cars? That movie's <laughs> weird. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to just point out the negative part of it. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's a great film. It's a classic 80s movie. Um, yep. Obviously, the foundation of um, a really great trilogy um you know i think there isn't a film you know unlike again i don't, don't want to bring it all the way back to mad max but like there for me there isn't a, a back to the future movie that i don't like you know, yep. i think they're all really great yep um, i think the the third actually i don't want to say it's my favorite but i like the third one a lot um just because of the the whole genre aspect of it um but yeah again i don't want to say too much i feel like we're all going to have a lot to say once we get to it so i'm gonna pass it off to ryan uh, my number three film is a film we've already talked about, and it's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I fucking love the movie, because, like I said, it's my favorite Danny Elfman score, and it's just weird. Cool. I'm just listening to reason. James? My number three is a movie we've already talked about. Uh, oh, wait, no, it's not. No, I thought we did, but we haven't. Anyway, my number three is The Color Purple. We have talked about yeah, it. We have talked about number 10. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, good. Okay, cool. I thought I'd pause for dramatic effect, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. this was a movie that was on my list of shame at the beginning of last year and that I went and bought the the, the you know book edition Blu-ray of and sat nice. and watched. And um, as soon as it was over, I was like, why have I not been watching this movie my whole life? Like, it's just, it's really, really solid. And I love those characters. And it, you know. Even Danny Glover, you fucking asshole. Even Danny Glover gets his redemption, though, in that movie. He does, he does. Right? Like, there's so much going on with all of those characters, and it's so dynamic um, that, yeah, like, there's so much to be taken out of that movie from... That last dinner scene with him and Whoopi Goldberg is so good. Yeah. When she just tells him off. And it's like, he's such a great actor, because in that moment, you can feel that he realizes how big of a piece of shit he is. Yeah. And it's, you know... 30, 40 years of him being an asshole finally yeah. caught up to him. Man, it's it's just so good. And, like, everyone should see that. Brad, you should really watch The Color Purple. I know, Spielberg fan. It's 
it's real, real good. That DVD is mint in box right now, so I don't know what they got. The value's only going up. <laughs> you, just, you might as well just go buy the Blu-ray now because yeah. now it's been too long. Is that Twist and Shout right now? Yeah. It's oh, yeah. Uh, There's a nice book edition. The book I was edition's just referencing. at yeah. Twist and Shout for $22. Oh, that's right. There's a book edition. Yeah. I saw Twist and Shout, $22. It's real nice. Hmm. Uh, or I can lend it to you. That too. Yeah, that. Um, or you just watch the one I own. <laughs> or you can watch the DVD and imagine that it looks even better because it's also gorgeous. <laughs> oh yeah, it looks great like, on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's just a really nice looking movie. Wait, are you are you suggesting why buy a Blu-ray when you could watch a DVD and <laughs> pretend it looks better? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That I makes n- <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Save your money. I've got the original uh, like Warner Brothers fold-out edition. Ooh. Yeah. With the, like with the cardboard? Yeah. No, God, just fucking cases. See, when you've bought... No, no, not the snap case. Not that? It's like... They're collector's edition ones. You like how yeah. the Aqua Teen oh. episode like, used to... Like, oh, the first five oh yeah. 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 Okay, sure. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's purpley. Ooh. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, get the just the single disc Blu-ray, because I think it's like 10 bucks, and throw the plastic case away and <laughs> put it in the nice yeah. case. See? There's always a solution. We're on three? We're on three. Yeah. Uh, mine's a repeat, and that's Rocky Four. so. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Because, yeah, Rocky movies are fun. It's like the same plot as ever, except now he's fighting a Russian for America. And fuck yeah. the Russians. And, uh, and there's a cool It's robot. a classic. And there's a cool and robot. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I thought that was the one that everyone loved, and now everyone's saying that Rocky Four is like the black sheep of Rocky or something. No, no, no. Five no, no, is, no. which yeah. I, lo- I like five a lot. So. Four... Four is either the second or third best Rocky movie out of all of them. It's just super goofy. Like it's my, it's for me, it's the third best one. Um, there's one, two, yeah, there's like is, one, two, three, four, five, and then Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've no, I, I've seen zero of them. I have no idea. You should really see Rocky. I know. Because uh, Rocky is genuinely a great, great movie. Is Rocky the best Rocky movie? Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, you will have also had Rocky spoiled for you by the Giant Bombcast, uh, which has talked about it at length. Well, um, I, also pop culture and the fact true. that there's fucking 80 of them. <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, but Rocky Four is like the one that it's like more of a cult favorite sort of, I would say. Just because like it's so over the top and like you've got a whole America thing and like. Well, a lot of people like pretty it. pretty badass. I, they like it ironically. You know, like I, I, I can guarantee that Brad and I, it's not on our list ironically. Like we genuinely no. like it. But like a lot of people, because it's. It's, you know, because of those elements, people are like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the Russian, blah, 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 the robot, it's so funny, because, like, in an ironic way. But no, it's it's actually an entertaining, oh, hell yeah. cool Rocky movie. Like, that villain is really cool, and, like, the, the story in that movie is actually really good. Um, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I think, like, if you liked... Which one's got uh, Hulk Hogan in it? Is that three? It's three. Yeah, so if you really liked that one, <laughs> if, that was, if your favorite movie Sweet. was that one where he, you know gets beat up by Mr. T and has to fight the Hulk Hogan, like, no, you're, you're wrong. Um, then but you're just being ironic. the Tiger, is this? <laughs> right. No, yeah, it has yeah. Eye of the Tiger, but still, um, not the best Rocky movie. Yeah. Unless you're living in Hot Topic. Can I just say that uh, Eye of the Tiger was the first um, song I had on a mixtape, not a mixtape, mix CD. Nice. Right? Yeah, this kid in my class, I, was, I forget what grade I was in, but uh, he just learned how to download music from the internet. It was like, you want a CD with Eye of the Tiger? (laughs) (laughs) Why wouldn't I? (laughs) Survivor uh, played a free show at the Colorado Mills one year. We went to it, and uh, my friends Mackenzie and Carson, like, that's, obviously that's 
the only song anyone there is there to hear. <laughs> and they obviously they stayed it for the end of the show and like the whole time leading up to it, like Carson McKenzie just like just yelling, play out of the tiger. <laughs> and then they got to the end and they're like, this is bullshit. And uh, I think Cliff got in trouble or something and the security came. Jeez. Yeah, oh, mall security. Oh, that poor band. But yeah. Cool. Uh, wait, where are we? I'm the host, Dan. Dan, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're on number three, right? Yep. Uh, my number three is uh, A View to a Kill. This man has a secret ambition. I propose to end the domination of Silicon Valley. Project Main Strike. A secret plan. For which each of you will pay me $100 million. And a secret weapon. We're not sure about her. Name's Mayday. Someone will take care of you. Oh, you'll uh, see to that personally, will you? There's only one man who can stop them. last one right yes yeah. so he did seven bond movies and you can tell by this one because he looks fucking wrinkly and old and shitty in this I movie he's 50 <laughs> in this movie. Looks yeah. terrible yeah. um but but this i actually think this is one of my like i don't know like top five bond really? movies for me oh yeah absolutely this is the one with uh christopher Chris walken yeah. christopher walken grace jones um yeah. his plan is to flood silicon valley and then his product 
and, and then his and then his product is the only one, so he can sell all of his microchips and all this bullshit. It's stupid. Um, plus, there's like horse racing in it. I've no. I, it's really. It kind of goes all over the place. Um, and then he's like on a fire truck ladder, and it's just insane and crazy. Well, I think a lot of people don't remember though. All James Bond movies were like that until Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. Yes, they, yeah, they all were pretty much random and just one zany uh, stunt thing to the next. True. I, I would like not to get way too off of it, but I would argue that like Goldeneye is actually yeah. fairly straightforward. Yeah, but it still like has a, a it still has a villain that sits on top of people and crushes them. Yes, but I guess Casino Royale has a villain who cries diamonds. Yeah, I guess we're all well, he cries. He cries blood. He cries yeah. blood. He cries blood. He yeah. weeps blood. That's right. He cries diamonds would be awesome. That sounds like something. There's from a Die villain. Day. In, oh, was it Die Another Day? Yeah, he diamonds in his face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm getting my Bonds mixed up. A lot up. of diamonds stuff in the Bond universe. Well, they're forever. So yeah, <laughs> they're forever. They yeah, all that stuff. Um, no, a view to a kill is like legitimately. Like I think a really good movie, and there's also like they they play it like over and over and over. But there's this one like riff, or this one like theme that they play for it. That's like it's really dramatic. Like fuck, like fuck yeah, he's getting shot by some dudes. He's not gonna make it out of there. But they play it like thirty times throughout the movie. So <laughs> like whatever. Um, and then plus the climax or like the, the well, I guess like the very end of the movie. The there's like a blimp that crashes into the Golden Gate Bridge, and then they're fighting on that. No, oh, yeah, and it's pretty cool. Which is the poster? Uh, uh, probably yes, because yeah. they <laughs> spoiled the movie. So why is a guy selling microchips in Silicon Valley like on the radar of MI6? I, I don't remember <laughs> that. Somebody's got to help, man. I don't remember that. Um, James, James Bond is an international spy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it pertains to, to a crime relating to Britain, though, right? <laughs> it, well, it, it, it affects. Be bad. Maybe yeah. the guy who runs one of those is there a British tech company British. that's yeah, yeah going to get. Technology is for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, right. e- even the British can use technology, <laughs> Brad. So they, ha- they have an invested interest in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I, I don't know the, the, the like again. If I'm going to claim that Goldeneye is a very like A to B storyline, View to Kill is like all over the fucking. I have no idea. Like I cannot tell you right now. I don't remember. But they're still ruled by a queen, and they ride horses everywhere they to need to go. Right? That's Britain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> but they Lots ride their horses on the left side of the street. Okay. Good. Sweet. Steve, three? Well, Dan, you'd really like uh, a new uh, short series coming to the Alamo Drafthouse. Maximum Bondage, 10 badass Bond films. Sweet. Every, I would. Every Sunday, starting in May, um, going through July. Wow. So I, cool. I wanted to do every single one of them leading up to Spectre, but uh, Park Circus, who um, has possession of all of them, has made a lot of really cool 4K restoration DCPs. But they're putting a moratorium on it, as most studios do when new movies come out at the end of July. So I was like, ah, oh, shit. So our uh, executive chef, executive chef Seth, uh, is a huge Bond nerd. So I said, give me your, give me your top ten. And um, so we're going to do this. So just, cool. is, is Goldeneye one of them? I believe it is. I don't want to thank, yeah. I, I don't know. For, I think we're doing Dr. No, From Russia With Love, License to Kill. Never say never again. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, on our, our Majesty's Secret Service. I think, really? I think uh, Gold, Goldeneye might actually be the last one we're doing. I'm pretty sure. Goldeneye is fucking legit. So yeah. it really is. Yeah. Um, my number three. Um, again, probably going to get back to this one because I don't feel like a lot of people will actually really like this movie. Uh, Better Off Dead. Does it ever feel like everyone's got more going than you do? Oops. 
that everyone is smart. So you're Al Myers, kid? Yes, I am. You look pretty stupid to me. Thank you. You say the best skier in town just ran off with your girlfriend? Even your younger brother does better than you do? And that nobody even cares? That broke up with me. Oh, that's nice. Well, you might be right. But remember one thing. I haven't even been to New York City. Nobody was ever better off dead. The truth is, I can out-ski you any day of the week. Oh, really? Yeah, you want to race, I'll take you on any day, sucker. Go that way, really fast. If something gets in your way, turn. All you need is guts. All right! Now turn! I'm going to race, I'm going to lose, and I'm going to die in that order. Go! And you'll never doubt yourself again. He's skiing on one ski! Better off dead. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. Cool. <laughs> and that's the exact... Uh, uh, John, John no. Cusack. Yeah, no, so here's the thing. All week, uh, I, I actually really wanted to watch it this week, but didn't have a chance to because there were a number of people at work who were like, who, who I I'd talked to about this whole thing, and they were like, oh, man, that's your Better Off Dead came out. Like, that's a great movie. I was like, really? Um, Has so anyone here not seen it? I've not seen I, it. I have not. I've seen it. Oh, I've, I've seen it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can tell in, in the in the, the spirit of yeah. your voice, you're not a huge. I'm a big John Cusack fan. Right. Well, th- this I think is the best. <laughs> I think that was that was yeah that was <laughs> that was that was great. Was that Good. sincere? That's sincere. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is the best uh, non John Hughes teen film of the '80s. Hmm. Um, I think John Cusack is actually pretty not great in this movie. He's not really a great protagonist. He doesn't really lead the movie, yeah. which I think is what's great about that is that it provides for a great ensemble piece hmm. and the um the side characters the small characters actually get a lot of uh a lot of room and a lot of screen time and are able to like come more to the the front uh where john cusack is just kind of like i'm, I'm sure the reason why you don't like him is because he's always like mopey yeah. kind of like no not really active yeah, and energetic I, the movie's not bad though i mean it's just you know maybe top 30 for me in that year when huh. i say top 30 it'd be 30 <laughs> wow! I'm just kidding. I could I could ramble off 29 other movies from the year. That movie's <laughs> in my top 23 movies. <laughs> it's 21st. Um, my favorite uh, my favorite uh, smaller characters being uh, their brothers who learned uh, English from watching uh, the Wide World of Sports. That's right. And for those people who haven't seen it, um, it's it's like there are these these two Asian brothers, and you know they they always want to race lane. There's John Cusack in the movie, and they're like, here he is. I'm on the scene. So it's like very... That's right. I haven't seen the movie in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like coming back to me slowly. <sighs> All right. Oh. Now i got to bring out the big guns and my memories about it. Um, it's also one of my mom's uh, favorite movies. So really? she would always like, quote like the part where the mom's like bringing out the non-French food. Like, French fries, French bread in Peru. <laughs> so my mom would always do that. Um, I also have a... A weird connection to Dan Schneider, who has a very small role in this. Hmm. Um, but uh, I actually was able to, lucky enough to work with him uh, when I did some Nickelodeon stuff back in back in California. I did back on work because he, you know, he's basically made Nickelodeon what it is today with you know the Drake and Josh's and the iCarly's and the hmm. Victorious and shit like that. Hmm. And so I did background work on um, iCarly and Victorious. And on Victorious, I had a slightly larger role, non-speaking, but uh, I was directed by him. And um, once I started watching movies like this, um, I don't know, it's just kind of, a, he's a super nice guy, super cool. 
uh, which is why I'm sure like he's able to like work with kids and people aren't creeped out because he's actually like a nice guy. Um, so yeah, I have that weird thread too. So very cool. Yeah, that's my number three. Sorry guys, apologize. Uh, no, you're good. No, it's your list. I was, I was glad somebody brought it up. Uh, my number two movie is Back to the Future. Why'd you create suspense? You already told us earlier that it was not your first. <laughs> because I was waiting because James was shaking his head. You, you son of it. a bitch. You're such a piece of shit. You're worse than the DeLorean. <laughs> I don't that was a shit that. car. That was an awful car. It was, but it looked cool. It, it, did, cool. it looked awesome. It looked really good. But it was made of stainless steel and had a Volvo engine in it, so it was like a golf <laughs> cart. Uh, do, do we want to talk about it now, or do you want me to wait? Sure, why it? is it on your list? Uh because it's, I mean, it's a fun movie and it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, it's it's a movie that you can put in any time and watch it. It's also a movie that yeah. if it's on TV, I'll stop and watch it, whatever part it's at, oh, because yeah, totally. I can still get into it no matter what happens. And yeah, it's just, and I think I like it even more after you see Back to the Future Part Two, because what's so brilliant about Back to the Future Part Two is you're like, oh, I've seen this movie before, but I'm just seeing it from a different point of view. Yeah, and Crispin Glover's so great in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I love George McFly and Biff, of course. And Can you remember the first time you saw it? Back to the Future? I, uh... no. no. Yeah. I just yeah. know that I've always liked it. Yeah. I, I, I do... The scene that I always remembered watching Back to the Future was... Well, there's two of them. Was when he obviously uses a guitar and he blows himself into... The speakers. He blows himself. <laughs> <laughs> he blows himself. It's a, it's a thing. You have a special uh, edition we haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the end where he says, "Where we're going, there are no roads." Yeah. And, um, those parts really. Where, where we're going, we don't need roads. Don't need roads, please. Did you see that? Come on, my. <laughs> Did I come, on my come on, come on, my back to the future. <laughs> Is that the version you saw? Yeah. Where he blows himself. <laughs> that joke would have been so good if you could have gotten it. I know, I couldn't get it out. <laughs> it was so funny, you could not say it. I was it laughing loud. at it while I was saying it. That's not a good way to do it. But Zemeckis is also a great director. Oh, uh, he makes no. really fun films. Yeah. And that's it's probably his best film. Oh, it's so solid. Like, it's just so good. Um, man. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I asked that question because I can't remember. Like, it, it feels like it's always been a part of, yeah. like, who I am and what the world is. Like, I, <laughs> I can't imagine a world where people hadn't seen Back to the Future. Because um, the story is so ingrained in my mind that it, it, it feels like a, like a basic trope the way that, like, Hamlet does. For you know, for like people in the 1900s, you know, sure. like no. What I'm saying is like that story of somebody going back in time and like running into their yeah. parents seems like something that's been around for forever. Well, yeah, I mean, um, also the later ones is you can't run into your past or future right. self or past self, and and yeah, like the rules that it sets up for time travel are are things that I feel like are so part of the canon now that they're just assumed because that thing is so influential um, and people just love it so much. Even though even though the truth is the rules are really fluid and poorly defined at times. And I know technically based on the second one, he never really went back to the original future to begin right. with in the first movie. So. Oh, yeah. Like, but you forgive movies like that because you're, you're fun. It's fun. Yeah. Totally. Um, well, and because the, like, the characters themselves will dismiss some of that stuff um, and they, they don't take it so seriously. You know, unlike a Terminator 2 where some of the 
like those issues give me a hard time because the movie also takes its science fiction so seriously. Um, Back to the Future doesn't because the the story of Marty McFly is so much bigger. And yeah, I will echo what you were saying about like, uh, or what you've both said about the sequels. For me, it's really hard to not also talk about like the story of Marty McFly through the whole trilogy and you know how how amazing that last sequence is where he's gonna race needles and doesn't. And when you really take a look at like what did Marty learn over three full films, like it's maybe the best trilogy of films ever made uh, or at least the most solid like there's not at least for me something that you can point at and be like yeah that movie or that that third act of that movie is shit um i mean i know there are some people who don't like the second one as much but for me i, I think all three of them tie together so well we call those people stupid right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well they're also my mom so what is what, what is what's your problem <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I love Back to the Future. It is higher than number two on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, what's number two on your list? Uh, my number two is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, and it isn't a movie we've talked about yet. Um, my number two is Clue. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Why are you screaming? Because I'm right out one! Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? If I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Except half. Half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. What's well, a matter of life after death? Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah! Miss Scarlet, who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. This is getting quite serious. And madness. In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue. It's not just a game anymore. <laughs> we should just talk about it together because it's my number two. Is it your number two? <laughs> awesome. Oh, here. Can we do the pinky thing? Oh, that's so gross. Um, I, I adore Clue. I've... Uh, similarly, I feel like I, I I don't remember the first time I saw Clue. I've been watching it since I was probably like six. Um, I think I saw it on Comedy Central. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. And I think they played all three endings in yeah. that version. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think most of the time when I watch it, that's the version I watch. Though I think it's really cool. Like the idea of the multiple endings. I didn't even understand it when I was a kid. I was like, why? Why? This is so weird because on VHS there was no option, right? Like on DVD, you can actually have it randomized. Yeah, on VHS it just says, or this could have been, or right. maybe, or this is what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, how the Comedy Central version does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, well, yeah, um, it's just for me, it's what I want good comedy writing to feel like, where it is so fast and witty, and there's so much stuff going on. Like the, that script is so dense. Every time you watch it, for the first 20 times you watch it, there's a joke you didn't get before. Um, I don't know that I could say after 20 years there are still jokes I haven't caught up on, but if there are, I will never figure them out. 
because at this point I've watched that movie so many times. Um, and I'll say it this way. Every time I watch it, there's a different character or a different string of jokes that are my new favorite joke from that movie. Like, it feels like it gets richer and richer and richer the longer, the, the more times you watch it. Um, it's just, it's so much fun. Uh, and those characters are so enjoyable to be around that even if there are despisable things going on, you're like, I don't give a shit. Like, these, these, this is great. Um, yeah, it, it's absolutely a classic in my book. So, Yeah, Brad? what he said. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's also, like, a good murder mystery, and yeah. I still can't, I still have trouble following uh, Mr. Body's, like, wait, no, the butler, duh. Yeah. Who is Mr. Body at one point? I don't know. Yes, yeah. in, in the third ending, he is Mr. Body. Yeah. Um, just trying to, because it's, it's also quite a feat to write a script where um, it only connects in the very last part, but right. still, like, the middle does weave out all these different possibilities. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting there going, like, like really trying to follow, like, is it, does the ending make sense? Like, could it have worked out this way? And you can't because it's so fast-paced. Right. Yeah. You yeah. just have to go with it. It's also Neil Patrick Harris's favorite movie of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read, a, I'm reading his autobiography right now. And Interesting. Talk about it. That makes sense. It, it made him want to be on stage because yeah. I guess it started as a play. That sound right? Uh, it could, or maybe got turned into one. It's written like it could be one. Yeah. So he yeah. he said he really loved um, the acting in it, and it taught him how to do acting in beats. Where yeah. Tim Curry's so good at at the end, where he's going from room to room and he's explaining stuff. And it's the best thing Tim Curry, Curry Tim Curry ever did. Like, and yeah. I, as far as I'm concerned, like, more than Muppets Treasure Island. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, here's the thing: the guy was more all than over Hubble the place. Lost in New York. Oh more, than, more than the Three Musketeers. Um, the you know the the guy is remembered for being like this sort of horror kind of guy uh, because he did it and that kind of you know um, he did Legend, um, Rocky Horror. Yeah, like for a while there, he was he was like the 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 basic villain in every movie you could throw him into. Um, and then, I mean, I guess technically in the one ending, he is Mr. Body, but to have him be sort of the, the like, um, I don't even want to call him the straight man necessarily, but he almost is. Um, he's like the, he's the, the center for he's that whole movie. No, he's yeah, the ringleader. Yeah. yeah. He's the glue that holds um, everything together. Right. Where everybody else, everybody else is some kind of a slapsticky sort of character. He's got to be fairly on point. Um, it's, he's great. Like, he's just genuinely really funny, especially there at the end. Yeah, that whole spiel where he's running back and forth and explaining everything is really, really impressive. Um, and maybe the most fun part of that movie, even though like, there's so many sequences that I remember. Like, when they when they have the cop and they're trying to hide from the cop and figure like figure out which rooms the cop can go into and how you hide bodies in that room. Like just a really cool idea for a sequence in a movie based on a board game. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, anybody see Ouija? No? Nope. Maybe uh, next year. I'm, yeah. Like, I'm still holding out for Popmatic, Popmatic Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know? When you compare Battleship to Clue, Clue, oh God, yeah. Clue is a classic in the comedy universe as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> and is Battleship it? is not. Battleship is Rihanna going, damn, <laughs> for two hours. Right. What's so. the board game that did work re recently? Oh no, the Lego movie. Just you know, oh yeah, toy thing, that's yeah. not a board. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Sorry. Um, yeah, the Lego board game. Sorry, there are board <laughs> games. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
Clue. And Brad, yours was Clue. Yep, I watched the. I watched it recently because I got the Blu-ray, and I think I watched like the, the three different, like not just like as one ending where they do three. I watched the whole movie three different it, times. Yeah, three <laughs> different times. Jeez. Yeah, does, does, wait, does the Blu-ray let you choose which ending? Yeah. And oh. you can randomize it. Oh, okay. But interesting. Yeah. I always just let it play all three, so I yeah, all right, cool. Dan, you're number two. Number two, uh, Back to the Future. The fuck is wrong with you people? What's what's wrong with me is I have a number one that we maybe just talked about a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, no Back to the face. Future is yeah, you just fucking grew up watching that movie over and over and over. Uh, just whenever it was on TV, we all drove it or doing because goddamn it, Back to the Future's on and you have to watch it. Um, and I am embarrassed to ask this. I don't remember. Uh, is it one or is it part two? Where? Um, Oh, it's okay. Never mind. It's part two, and I know why. He took that guy's wallet. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew exactly. I, yeah, I, I think he took his wallet because he, yeah. it, it's the almanac that he goes for. But it's definitely never. Um, <laughs> I love that I knew exactly what quote <laughs> yeah. from that movie you are most obsessed with. Yeah, that, that, that part of part two is really good. But yeah, yeah, just that first movie is just like a just solid, really well put together. Yeah, it's good. It's good film they made. It's yes, called it Back is. to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you should see it. And my number two is a film we've already talked about, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, I've never not had fun watching this movie. Every time I watch it, I find something new, even though I've seen it probably 30 times. Yeah, it's not dense, but it's just overflowing with so many great things, like just large and small. There's always something to find. Um, Again, yeah, the whole Tim Burton thing, it's a a nice artifact of when we all like, (laughs) like Tim Burton for the most part. And then um, one thing, it's it's not really like, a, it's not meta, um, but it has this weird thing where it's like sort of like this movie, kind of like, you know, like Tarantino separates his movies between like movies and then like movie movies. Mm-hmm. I think this is almost kind of like a movie movie, especially because it's like, it knows it's a really good like drive-in movie. And Paging the, Mr. Herman. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Herman. Herman. <laughs> and so you know that one, Brad. <laughs> I love that scene too yeah. because uh, Pee Wee in it keeps on looking at the camera right. and looking for direction for what to do <laughs> and to be able to pull that off is yeah. pretty amazing it's as so an great. actor yeah so the the drive-in as a as a huge artifact of the movie being like this great like summary action-y comedy family this is one of the movies that my family was able to watch all together mm. that across across all of my siblings we were all able to and did everybody them. want the bike when they were little that's all oh, I ever wanted yeah Absolutely, I wanted the big, uh, the his Rube Goldberg machine. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was. I always loved that, and like the the dinosaur squeezing the the orange for the orange juice. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I love that movie so much, so fun. Um, also sad that the the T Rexes are not. Oh yeah, that just anymore. broke my heart. Yeah. I see. I would never listen to Tim Burton commentary because <laughs> yeah, I can't fucking, fucking stand awful. him. Yeah, I took a bullet for you guys. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that, Brad. Brad took the Tim Burton bullet for the whole the whole crew. I think our. Our cinematic society took the balloon on Tim Burton. Gosh, number two, that's even more embarrassing than you didn't get my joke earlier. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just, you said Alamo, and immediately my mind went to like my, yeah, my filling work, email yeah. inbox, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, my number one film is obviously one we haven't talked about, mm-hmm. and yep. I was really struggling with this and Back to the Future because, to me, there's certain films that impact me more than other ones. And Back to the Future, while is a great film and probably deserves to be number one, honestly, 
my, my number one film from 1985 is the darkest day in horror movies, and it's Day of the Dead. First came the night, then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the creator. We visited a curse. For the few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bub. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. I promised some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... They're learning. They're actually learning. Their world fell apart. And the reason I picked this film is because I'm a huge Romero fan, and I did not appreciate Day of the Dead until I saw it maybe for the third time. And instead of being as it's a zombie movie, obviously, but it's also a study of what happens when people have been involved in the zombie plague for a long time. You know, it's the, none of the characters in it are good characters. Not that they're bad actors. I mean, they're not good people. Yeah. You don't like any of them. Even when they, with the heroes, they're supposed to like them. No, the Jamaican guy who flies the helicopter, he's a coward. The, the lady who's the main heroine in it, she's a bitch. Hmm. The guy who is in charge of... Basically, they're in an underground bunker that's been put there by the United States government to try to solve the zombie problem. So they have a doctor in there who's they're wrangling up zombies and trying to figure out if there's a way to cure them. Or to eradicate them. And his solution is, is you can't stop them, but you have to find a way to basically domesticate them. Mm. Can, you, can you train them to go back to their previous life? And he has a zombie named Bub. who Maybe Bub is the only character in the film that we really like. And he's a zombie, so it's kind of weird. But what the doctor does is he puts headphones on him. And he remembers to hit the, you know, the play button and stuff like that. But what he doesn't tell them is how he's rewarded. And so all the soldiers that die, this doctor will chop them up in pieces and give like a bowl of human parts to this zombie. So he's really not solving the problem. He's just, you know, putting a bandaid on it. And of course all hell breaks loose and the film is bleak and it's, it's probably everyone's least favorite dead film, Hmm. but it's one of my favorites because I just love it as a character study. And I love to see people deteriorate through the course of if society failed, I mean, who would be left? You know, it's going to be 
the macho guys are going to kill people who aren't going to take stuff crap from anybody and what happens with the weak people well eventually they're going to get weeded out and uh, tom savini does a makeup effects in it and it's really good uh the commentary on the uh scream factory is really good with romero he talks about how if he made an r-rated version they'd give him seven million dollars but he didn't want it to be rated because he wanted all the gore so he made it for two million and so there's a lot more character moments in it and it's it's not you're not gonna like anybody in it not very many people like the film but to me it's the most important film that came out that year so george a romero's day of the dead am i the only one who's seen day of the dead yes wow yeah it's like his least popular favorite really? <laughs> dead movie oh yeah i've yeah. seen land of the dead more than land like of the one. dead well yeah because or diary well, of the dead well land of the dead is more accessible because i mean he's continuing the same themes he, in land right. of the dead the zombies are learning uh, so he's continuing the same themes, but at least you have people in there like Dennis Hopper that's pretty entertaining. Right. In Day of the Dead, there's none of that. You don't like anybody in it. I mean, the one sergeant's pretty funny because he's just yelling orders, but he's also a piece of shit. So hmm. if you want to see a really bleak movie, Day, Day of the, the Dead. Dead is that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. my number one. So the first time that I swore around my family, um, I was in the Lego room. And I was, you know, playing with Legos with my brother, who, again, is seven years older than I am. And for whatever reason, I had one of the, like, little Lego dudes yell, No! Bastards! And I didn't know what that <laughs> meant. Um, and I remember my brother, like, looking across the room at me and going, like, like had this look, like, Whoa, what? You're not supposed to say that. You're, like, nine. Or, or whatever age, eight or nine or whatever. And I, I didn't know what it meant. I just knew Back to the Future. And I thought that's what you yelled when somebody else got shot. Um, <laughs> the, the point of that story is that for me, when it, when it all comes down to it, like Back to the Future is my number one from 1985 because like that movie is so intertwined into like my relationship with my brother and my relationship with my parents. It is so a part of who our family is and, and, how we think and how we entertained ourselves and what things we referenced that um, that it is ingrained into me that all of those things are like all of the lessons of those movies are true all the jokes in those movies are the funniest of jokes um, the action scenes in those movies are or in, in that movie are the way action should look um, because I grew up with that movie being like on the pinnacle of this is what when you, when I would go see a movie, like if we rented Explorers, it was because we wanted it to be Back to the Future, you know. When we went rent and rented any of those fun kids, it, when when I finally got around to seeing Goonies, the the bar was Back to the Future, uh, because if you wanted to have a fun '80s action adventure movie, that's what I was looking for. Um, so it's it's hard because of course that means I'm horribly biased because what I'm saying is Back to the Future is one of the greatest movies ever made in my mind. And so, like, it's hard for me to even compare anything else to it. It's why I've, I've often said when I do, like, top ten lists of all time, I cut out Star Wars, Star Trek, Back to the Future, Star, uh, Lord of the Rings, because those, those franchise and Indiana Jones, because those franchises are so near and dear to me that I can't think rationally about them. Um, and Back to the Future, like, quadruply so. Um, because when you turn that movie on and you watch 
you know, I, you start to hear the clocks ticking and you, you watch that Rube Goldberg machine, I'm instantly eight years old sitting on the couch with my brother about to watch that movie for the umpteenth time while eating a tombstone pizza because my parents are out doing something. What like, do you want on your tombstone? Right. That, that's, I live in that moment because of that movie. Um, and that is more powerful than like the writing of that movie or the, the filmmaking of that movie can ever actually be. Um, so anyway, I think it's really fascinating because, you know, we have the same experiences with our favorite movies from that year Yeah. because, you know, yours is all hope and dreams and, <laughs> and mine's like bleak. Right. I love the character study, and I love how dark it is. And I like right. to watch it alone. I'm, 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 I'm the Tim Burton of this <laughs> this podcast right now. But it is fascinating. You know, that's why I made Day of the Dead my favorite, because while I think Back to the Future actually is a better movie, mm. to me, my favorite film from that year is Day of the Dead. Yeah. And you can't, you can't rationalize it. And I think I even told you for the last three weeks how much I've been struggling with this. Oh, I knew. Because it's one of those things where you... You're right. Your heart tells you that you can't fake it. Yeah. Even though, like I said, even though I know Back to the Future is a better movie, I know it is. Yeah. But to me, it and my movie love, Day of the Dead, is always going to be irrationally a better movie to me. Yeah. And I just, I, I love it. I, it's funny because I kept going back and forth because there was a part of me that was like, you know what? I, the clue is so good. And I really, there was a part of me almost just to be defiant. Yeah. There was a part of me that kind of wanted to make Clue my number one, yeah. but what it comes down to is that when I'm, one should hope, 95 years old and and want to do something fun for my afternoon, I'm going to want to watch Back to the Future. And see, that's the for thing. The, is... For what will literally at that point be the thousandth time. Like, I will have seen that movie so much, already I've seen it so many times that I know every single beat. I could I could almost draw that movie for you from memory. Um, but the thing is, the movie still is entertaining and it yeah. still holds up. And that's what I mean is, you know, one of the great things about film and why I love doing this podcast and having people enjoy it with me is film is so subjective. Right. Because one person can think a movie is a piece of shit and another person can just love it. You know, I, I was talking to my in-laws today and they talked how much they loved Chappie. You know, oh, wow. And I cool. didn't like that movie. But that's why I love movies as an art form is because they're so subjective mm -hmm. and i mean there is universal praise you know for jean-claude van damme's damn van i think it's 100 percent <laughs> on the tomato meter and or back to the future and, and it's one of those movies too back to the future when i look at it and it's 98 percent or something on Rotten tomatoes i always want to say who's the person who doesn't like this movie right what in this movie do people not find entertaining where you can't you know give it a b instead of a C. I, I, that's the part I don't understand. Yeah. Because there is some things that aren't subjective, and I really judge you hard if you don't like Back to the Future, if you don't like Jaws, if you don't like Raiders Lost Ark. I don't like you. Because <laughs> although film Agreed. is although film is subjective, you're just hating stuff to hate stuff, and that's why I love. There's a scene in This Is the End uh, where Craig Robinson's talking to S Steve Baruchel, and he's like, "What do you think about Forrest Gump?" Oh, I can't stand that piece of shit. And he's one of those guys. He just hates stuff to hate stuff. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, who doesn't like Forrest Gump? I right. Mean, come on. Yeah. Zemeckis. <sighs> Bring it back around. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I love it. So, Brad, why is Back to the Future number one on your list? Why do you assume it's number one? Because uh, you haven't mentioned it, <laughs> and uh, you're the guy who, I don't know. Yeah, you got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. Brad, what's your number one? My number one is Back to the Future. <laughs> and 
I'm going to say just because it is actually like one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. Um, not because you like it because it's connected with your family and stuff. It's, oh, no. Like, I'm not... I'm not entirely sure I have to look it up. I don't think it's like on like the AFI's top 100 it's movies not. of all time. Yeah, um, and it should be. Um, mm -hmm. And I really think about it as a complete like the trilogy is the movie. It's not just. And when I grew up, I actually liked <laughs> two more than one. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, uh, I like the world it created and um, uh, great. I totally forgot what I was thinking while you were talking. But but that's a th yeah. that's, that's <laughs> the thing too though is you know while movies are subjective, I don't like the whole. AFI thing where, you know, citizen, you're, you're going to sit there and tell me Citizen Kane's a more enjoyable experience than Back to the Future. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> well, those, those lists are generated from, like, they just picked a bunch of, like, actors and directors to make a list. And yeah. I know, but, I mean, how many of them actually seen that's Citizen Kane? That's what they grew Kane, up with. You know I mean? It's what they grew up with. So, like, we're, we grew up with Back to the Future, so obviously it's on our list. So Citizen Kane does the same thing for them. Really? Those people who grew up in the 1940s? But I don't think so. I, I, here's the thing. Crazy. So, even... I. Even though I made the argument from a, it was a part of my family, I could sit here all day long and tell you about, even for the first film, how tight that script is and how amazingly written that mo that movie is. Yeah. Um, it is so well thought out that even from the even from that first. Remember shot, when he rides on the jeep with a skateboard? Yeah, oh, man, that's cool. <laughs> Um, but even from that first shot where you're... The script you're, is so good, they recycle it two more times. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah. when, you're, when you're panning through that room and the background, you're listening to the news, and you're also seeing... So you're, you're listening Lewis? to the news, which is talking about... Um, no, there's the, there's the, you know, the TV show, the, the TV turns on. I know, James. So you're, yeah. Um, so you're getting, you're getting exposition there. And you're getting shots of like the newspapers and learning all of this story that some of which you don't even really learn all about until the later films. Um, but still, like it is such a rich world that they build for a movie that could be just as silly as The Goonies, yeah. just as much of a throwaway adventure. It was film. just it was just envisioned as like a teen comedy, right? And it's transcended more than that. It's really influential in my life. Like a lot of my creativity comes from that movie. Mm -hmm. um, I still want a DeLorean. I don't care if <laughs> right. it's a piece of shit car. No, yeah. I mean, I do too. It's so fucking I mean, cool. There's not a time it's, where it's I'm... It's a piece of shit. I, I, I want a car where the door opens up. You yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. don't want it to just slide out. I want Can it you believe it up. doesn't make that sound when it does that? I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Hollywood yeah. sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make it do that if I get one, though. Right? Yeah. Um, um, man. Yeah. It's a really Q solid... Listen the News is my favorite band of all time. Yeah. Like, that's how... Because of that movie? Yeah. Yeah. You're just too darn, too darn loud. <laughs> um, see? See? I didn't even tell the joke well, and he laughed at it. That's how good that movie is. Man. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> trying to think of what else to say about it. It's, yeah. That hasn't been said. No, but you're right. No. It transcends its time. Mm -hmm. Because even though, ah. it's, even, though it's, <laughs> even though it's dated it's in 1985, <laughs> you, can, you can revisit it. You feel like it goes all the way back again. to yeah. 1955. I mean, you can go back to it and still, you know, no matter how many times you've seen it, there's still something in it that you'll enjoy seeing no matter what. Right. There's something that... Yeah, you know, the rape. The, the know, rape. The attempted rape. You know, if, <laughs> hey, if you guys ever want to get back at Leah Thompson, see all the right moves, she's totally naked in it. <laughs> ah, and you Tom, and your Cruise Tom Cruise doesn't rape her. He fucks her. <laughs> Real good. Ah. And that's how he showed her the right moves. <laughs> that movie's not even good, right? Didn't it's you say right. that movie's not it's good? It's all right. There's a great scene where he's running away. 
Oh, all right, now if if Tom Cruise runs, I'm in. If you like bestiality, she almost fucks the duck and Howard the duck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what ever happened to her? She was so pretty back then. She let uh, herself go. I haven't seen her in a while. No, she looks uh, still pretty good. Yeah, she she still looked pretty good in the yeah. in that Carol Caroline in the City yeah, show. I always liked yeah. her, but that was back in the. 90s. I liked her more yeah, when she gave me a boner. You're the worst. <laughs> um, hey, next order. And last order business, Steve. You need to program Back to the Future trilogy. Because I've seen the first one at the Esquire Midnight so many times. I have so many tickets for it. But I don't have two and three ever. We're we're planning like a huge... I can't talk about it because it's like super secret. But like we're planning something huge. So just get ready. Ooh. For, for that. Because I mean it is 2015, man. Yeah, that's why it's... Oh. This is the year. I don't, I don't even oh, want to talk anymore right. about it. But yeah, it's... 2015. Hold on to your butts. Yeah, oh, Sam so Jackson Park now. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would see fucking Jurassic Park. I am. I, I, I've I, already, I I've already seen Jurassic Park at the Alamo. It was yeah. pretty good. We're doing, we're doing the trilogy for that too. Just, by the way, the Jurassic Park trilogy. So. Awesome. Sorry, that was a tangent. But yeah, don't worry, Brad. We got you. <laughs> finally get those. But he can't say anything else. Actually, I forgot to say. Like, I think I saw three first because really, it was at a drive-in in Wyoming. Uh, they were playing obviously the third one, the western one. It's oh. like yeah, we were on a road trip. And we, my family had the the uh, VW at the pop-up top, so I would get to sit in the top part and nice. watch the movie at the drive-in. Oh, weird. I was, I was my brother and sister fell asleep. It's so great having a family that cares about each other. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention my favorite film from this year is Day of the Dead <laughs> that I rented when I was a kid? If it makes you feel any better, they probably didn't program Day of the Dead at a drive-in in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't family fair. <laughs> what? It was unrated. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Dan, you're number one. Clue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good choice. Yeah, Clue's just fucking good. Um, yeah. It's just so, like... Um, I think you explained it to me like you kind of touched on this a little bit, but sometimes you will watch Clue and you will you will just watch like Martin Mole yeah. go through that and like his path through the movie or like Christopher Lloyd's path through the movie Christopher Lloyd in two hot movies. No. Of 85. Uh-huh. Um, Christopher Lloyd in both the best movies yes. of 1985. <laughs> Maybe. Subjectively. Um, For Dan and I at least. Uh, but that like the that movie takes like exactly the right amount of time to get going. Yeah, it doesn't take too long. It's like maybe ten, fifteen minutes before all the characters are there, and like he's Tim Curry's going around and like making sure uh, that uh, Yvette, the maid, is mm-hmm. like cleaning and she's do- shaking her ass in that maid dress. I had erections when I was a kid. Nice. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, hey, we're a classy podcast. It's boner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, Bone- I had all the boners. So I don't know what's that. Yes. And he goes and checks on the chef. That like kind of mean chef. Yeah. Uh, she gets stabbed. Yes. Spoilers. Um, uh, and it, it Remember just, when the telegram lady gets shot? Ah, <laughs> yes. So yes. That, that, and that whole sequence that you're describing has one of my favorite like movie themes under it, too. Like that opening music to Clue, I have it stuck in my head right now just from you talking about it. It's great. Uh, I remember my brother and I would do this thing. We had our, our sound system set up, like, like hooked up to our, our uh, home theater system. Right, so you could actually tape the movies. So we had all these tapes that we would put together that were all the theme music to the movies that we really loved, hmm. and we would tape them. Totally illegal, but we would tape them like from the rented. So when we rented Clue for the first time, I remember my it's like sitting with my brother the next day and carefully 
pausing and playing the beginning of Clue so we could record that music so that we could listen to it in the Lego room or when we were on vacations or stuff like that. Um, because it, it's such a cool piece of music that also doesn't show up anywhere else. Um, but it also always meant that, like that one, for example, um, when we would listen to it, you could hear like car doors opening or like the dogs barking and, st and the stuff that was in the movie while you were listening to the music. It was ridiculous. But sure. um, that whole opening sequence is, is great. Yeah. yeah, and then it's just like once it gets going, you're like, oh, okay, I see, I see exactly what this movie is going to be. It's, it's like, like they're having a lot of fun with it, and it's yeah. very, like, yeah, like people are dying and being murdered, uh, but, but it's fun, and it's, it's funny, <laughs> and like, it, like at no point, it, it never takes itself way too seriously. Yeah. Um, it's like just... I think that's like, why it's successful, though. It's like so you know? perfectly tuned. Because you're um, taking serious stuff and kind of making fun of it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, those actors are just so good. Like Mark yeah. Mull is is on point. The whole every, everybody yeah, is t so. Tim Curry funny. is just like fucking on like another level. And there's really like, fucking good. In that there's movie. a yeah. lot of stuff in there that you have to think couldn't have really been in the script. You know, like like flames on the side of my on head. The like side just of my the way head. the way she says that <laughs> is like is so fresh and fun. I'm gonna go home and sleep, sleep with, with my, my wife. wife. <laughs> oh, that's great that's you know a, a movie's good movie. is you're quoting lines from it 30 years later yeah at the same and they're time s and they're still funny yep man it's <laughs> good and and also just some of the little uh, they like they find a uh, like, I don't know how many of you played a whole shitload of Clue but there were like little secret mm -hmm. passageways from the one room mm -hmm. to the oh, other yeah. room and they yeah. have the same secret passageway from the greenhouse to the whatever it is yeah in the movie I love I love how some of the jokes stick through all three endings. So like, no matter which ending you get, Mr. Green never does it. Like, or or there are jokes about you know, um, they they use that same joke about communism being a red herring and like. So there's so many things that no matter how the movie goes, they can still play some of the same jokes just because they built it so intelligently. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's so good. Ah, should have been another number one. I like Clue a whole lot. No, you had a good childhood. That's yeah, why I no, that shouldn't. <laughs> you just gave like this great speech about yeah, yeah. why that could be true. No, it shouldn't. That's uh, why I was number no, two. No, I know. Video. Yep. So it's yeah, it's fucking rad. Clue's good. Clue's great. It's good. Steve, finish it out. Um, I'm a little closer to, to Ryan on this one. Again, this is something that, like I said on Twitter, I was like, this is gonna either you know probably get some groans or, um, it's something that I don't think a lot of people have seen, and I think if you have. Um, you'd really enjoy it because um, I think it's it's the certain director. It's one of his like fewer seen movies, and it's which is a shame because it's one of his best. Um, it's totally punk rock. It's totally bonkers. It's absurd. It's it's I don't want to say genius because I know that term gets thrown around a lot, but like it is a freaking like awesome movie. Is it real genius? It's not. <laughs> it's After Hours. Why don't you just go home? I've been asking myself that one. All night long. So what happened? Why can't you? I met this girl tonight, okay, in a coffee shop. I feel like something incredible is really going to happen here. <laughs> so when I got home, I gave her a call. On the cab on the way down here, all my money flew out the window. I didn't really get along with her that well. What's the matter? I said, I want to see a plaster of Paris bagel and cream cheese paperweight. Now cough it up. So I left. Yeah. Kiki! So I haven't got enough money to get home. 
until I meet this bartender who wanted to lend me the money. That's all right. That's all right. Forget it. Forget it. That's all right. Good boy. So I go back to the girl's apartment, but her roommate's really pissed off at me for the way I treated her friend. This the guy? Hi. So I march right in there to apologize. Come on. But she'd already killed herself. I was too late. Oh, wow. Lighten up. What is this? I'm in big trouble. I mean, big trouble. Now, this part, you're going to say, oh, you're lying to me. Don't lie to me. But it's true. Go hawk this guy. I couldn't believe that. It's him. Tell him. It's not my fault. I didn't do it. I got to tell who you didn't do what. Help. 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 Call the police. What's with you? Are you nuts or something? Luckily, oh, there was this girl who saw the whole thing. You're dead, pal. I'm what? So now she's the one in the Mr. Softy ice cream truck who's trying to kill me. They're all trying to kill me. I mean, I just wanted to leave. You know, my apartment, maybe meet a nice girl. And now I've got to die for it, you know? What do you want from me? What have I done? I'm just a word processor, damn it. Is that all they After Hours, when anything can happen, and usually does. Is that unbelievable or what? That's all there is, my friend. Wow. Martin Scorsese's After Hours is like... There you go. Like There's if, a movie buff pick right there. No, that, like, <laughs> that's, that's why I don't want to like sound like pretentious or anything, but like, no. like seriously, like, I, it was super easy for me to have this as my number one for 85. Wow. It was like, it was, like right after, I, I already knew, I was like, oh yeah, number one, After Hours, and then t- from the top down, you know, two through ten. Um, it's like, if I ever get the chance to meet... Mr. Scorsese, like, all I want to do is, like, you know, Goodfellas is cool, you know, there's some really awesome movies in there that he's done, you know, he, I mean, he's a, one of the m- most amazing filmmakers, but I want to talk to him about After Hours. What, like, oh, I'm sorry, uh, do you want to explain the movie to maybe people who haven't seen it? Because sure. it's one of his lesser known ones. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of his criminally underseen ones. Um, it stars uh, Griffin Dunn, who a lot of people know from American Werewolf in London. Um, so basically, it's kind of like, it's essentially um, The Odyssey. But it's um, it takes place um, at night in Manhattan, just in one night, which was called After Hours. Um, which is another reason why it's so great is because it has this ticking kind of human time bomb the whole time because it takes place under a specific frame of time. Um, basically, it's just like the the worst night for this guy. It is you, Brad. You're shaking your head. Have you seen it? I think I might have, but yeah. I'm going to say no. Yeah, it's um, so yeah. He basically <clears throat> he has like, the worst night. It's just one thing to another where it's just like it's it's you know if it could go wrong it will go wrong so and it, there's just like a crazy clash of characters like you know it's a scorsese movie but like cheech and chong are in it you know and there's like crazy terry gar is in it and um um rosanna arquette's in it and she's like bonkers um there's you know again i say it's punk rock not just because it's like structurally punk rock and it's very like you know as a as cinema it's very like subjective and there's a lot of like crazy you know weird camera angles and things that are very specific on images and objects and there's like a lot of you know visual metaphors and stuff in it but also like you know bad brains the great you know punk band is and it. it has one of the one of the best director cameos where um in the scene where they go to this club um uh scorsese is up on the rafters doing one of the spotlights and he's wearing you know just it looks like him it's obvious it's him but he's wearing like one of those uh kind of like a like a like a punky like soldier's coat um, so that's one of my favorite director's cameos. Um, so yeah, so he's kind of going through the night and, you know, it's, it's very like, 
um, it's like this experiment in absurdity. So there's a lot of, you know, not just because all these ridiculous things happen to this character, but um, it's very, like, cyclical. And so, like, you can see a lot of patterns and a lot of the same things happen over and over again in very different ways. Um, Dick Miller's in it, so, you know, that's another great reason um, to like it. Um, but it's, it's very, like, it's weird because, like, this character is in this world, which is it's Manhattan, but it feels like this, like, it feels like hell, you know? It's almost like kind of like a Dante's Inferno thing, where as he's going through the night, he's just going deeper and deeper in, into into hell. And um, and I, it's like all the characters and all the pieces of this movie are like in on the joke, except for this main character. Hmm. Like everything feels like he's so alienated and so like frustrated and aggravated and like to the point where he's, you know, literally by the end of the movie, he's like in rags because like, he's just been through so much. Um, and, but it like... I don't. I mean, I don't want to spoil the ending. There's not much of a spoiler, but like, it ends with him because it kind of starts uh, in his workday, and then it ends with him just back in the office. Like, every, every, everyone's normal, everything's normal, but like, just the look on his face, and when he just kind of like back down in the chair, he's like, he's filthy. His clothes are torn apart. Um, his hair's messed up, and just has this like thousand yard stare. And you you go through the movie very closely with him, so that you feel the same way at the end. Hmm. It's almost like. It, it's funny, but it's also just really unsettling. And it's really, it's, I think it's underseen because it's not an easy watch. Um, it's really brief and concise. Um, but it's definitely, like, you would not think, like, you know, people think Scorsese and they think, you know, the typical stuff, like, you know, like, again, like, something like Goodfellas. But this is, like, this is one of the reasons, you know, similar to, um, like, the King of Comedy, like, Scorsese is one of the, the greatest directors because of movies like this, where he's going outside of what people think he is and still making an amazing movie. Hmm. Um, so one last thing before I say this, there's this amazing, um, amazing part in a, like, it's kind of like the halfway through point, and it's, like, a great part of a comedic relief, but also just, like, is it sums up the movie really well. Um, he's in the, a bathroom, and he's, like, kind of, like, putting water on his face, and the camera is, it's shooting him over the shoulder, um, seeing him in the mirror, and he, he looks over, and you don't know what he's looking at immediately, but it slowly pans backwards, and he just sees a drawing of a man with a boner. Yes. <laughs> I had to throw it in there on the last one. Man with a boner, and on his boner, there's a, <laughs> a jagged tooth shark. <laughs> so it's this, it's this image of, like, frustration and castration, and he just looks at it, and he, like, you just, he doesn't say anything, but he just is like, kind of like, Ugh, like and you, it's just it sums up how he feels in this little little scribble you know bathroom draw so um <laughs> i was hoping you'd bring up the boner <laughs> have to bring it up bring it up uh, bring it up um so yeah so again uh, i love you know movies like clue and um what's it called again back to the future yeah, um, yeah that one yeah uh, i love those movies and um but for some reason, um, the first time I saw After Hours, you know, when I was younger, um, it just really struck me and has always been one of the movies that I've, I've watched over and over again and studied you know, as someone who, you know, I used to, I used to make films more often, but now with the, the new job, you know, it's been a little tougher. But it's it's like a amazing structure and platform for what cinema can be and what it represents. Cool. As, as somebody who has generally decided that Steve, that Martin Scorsese does not speak to him. Do you think that After Hours is particularly different than most of his movies in a way that I might appreciate more? I'm not sure exactly what you what you mean. Um 
what I mean is that what I decided, man, what was it? Oh, it was after um, it was after Raging Bull, mm-hmm. um, where I, I saw Raging Bull for the first time last year, and, and my the realization was that I think that Martin Scorsese is interested in stories and characters that uh, that I'm not, and so when they're when they're all said and done, I look at them and go, that was really well done, but it doesn't leave me with anything. What? Is After Hours particularly different than the majority of his films? Um, it is different, but in that respect. I guess not because again, like the character who Griffin Dunn plays is just kind of this average Joe who gets thrown into this like torrent of just insanity. Um, so again, like it's, he's, he's not particularly like, there's nothing really like super charming or quirky about him. That is like something that a lot of people would like in a protagonist. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I, I think again, maybe that like that is a reason why, you know, I mean, like Jake LaMotta in the Raging Bull. Like, I think that's a, a really compelling character, and like, um, and uh, that's that's the reason why that movie is carried. But I think again, the reason why um, After Hours works so well as a movie and is really a great piece of Mars Scorsese's filmography is because of just the whirlwind. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. I I I only really asked because I was looking to try and buy it. Well, after you talking about it, I was like, oh, well, I should just order the Blu-ray right now. There's not a Blu-ray out. Nope. So, but you can watch it streaming on Amazon Video. Yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen it, again, try it. Just cool. try it. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't. Rem- I remember little bits of it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those tough sells like Day of the Dead. I mean, it's a favorite movie of mine, but I don't know. I don't think very many people will like it. Right. Because it's just not right. But yeah, I don't. Re- I remember very few things about that film, and again, I think it's one I saw again on midday afternoon or right. something, and. I mean, I like Scorsese, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember it all. You're explaining to me, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gary Gar. Oh, yeah. But then I don't remember anything else. So I'll have to stream that one, I think. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So thank you, everybody. Um, thank I love you. that we gave everybody respect on their number one pick and that everybody explained why it was their number one. Uh, it really touched my boner. Whoa. <laughs> I was surprised by some of the ones that didn't make it on anyone's lists. Like, what? you hear about, like, how great The Breakfast Club is all the time mm. and... uh uh, weird science. Yeah. But not for us. No. Breakfast Club, like, I wasn't of the age where that hit me at the time in the right way, and then I don't think that movie holds up as well. Um, so I think you ha- it has to have one of the two. Yeah, because Judd right? Nelson's kind of obnoxious in it. Yeah. Like, it, it needs... When we do these, like, retro film explosions, the movie needs to either have been something that, when you were the right age, it stuck with you, like Explorers, or it needs to be a movie that holds up so well that anyone could watch it at any time. Like, that the movie could come out today and still be great, like Back to the Future. And Breakfast Club just doesn't fall into either of those camps for me. I'm going to go ahead and dig into our fan mail. And Plan 9 Studios emailed us that uh, Better Off Dead, Commando, and Fletch. Commando for different reasons. (laughs) So, yeah, he's... Getting at that, and he also sent us a picture of him at the house of from Better Off Dead, and mm. then he tweets, "I recently sat down with the house from Better Off Dead to discuss Beth skiing and the rise of newspaper costs." Hey, inside joke in the movie. Cool. Uh, our friend John, who does John of All Trades uh, podcast, that you can also listen to. He wrote, "Holy crap! What a great film year." There's the obvious classics like Back to the Future, The Breakfast Club, and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. But here are two of my most rewatchable films from 1985. I own both of them on DVD. Come on, John. Blu-ray. 
<laughs> Number one, just one of the guys in the spirit of 1980s. Oh yeah, <laughs> 1980s buddy swapping comedies. Just one of the guys sees Joyce Heiser as Terry Griffith, thinking she's a victim of a sexist teacher who shits on her investigative journalism article, which Terry believes is solely because she's a woman. So she does what any sane person would do. She and transfers to a high school across the town for a week and submits it submits it there. But as a boy, I'm reading it how he emailed it. Hijinks ensue. Billy Jacoby plays her little brother and is goddamn hilarious as a sex-obsessed sex goof. There's a lot of those in, like, 80s teen movies as this mm-hmm. sex-crazed guy. Um, Billy Zabka is there as the bully, of course. And this is 1985, after all, and I think it was mandated by Congress that he play all bullies in 1980 teen comedies. <laughs> the movie gets a special mention for having the greatest plot twist revealed via nudity ever. Thanks, Joyce Heiser. Joyce Heiser. And, hey, buddy, good news. Number two, Cocoon. I love Cocoon in ways that make normal people uncomfortable, and I don't care. (laughs) I've co-authored deep meditations about it. Monday Confessionals, Spaceship Ride, The Crew Jones Society. I've talked to it on other podcasts. Cocoon with screenwriter Tom Benedict. I can't even read today. Benedict. Benedict. And once, no, almost uncertainty more than once. (laughs) And once, almost certainty more than once. Gosh, come on, Ryan. I've wept while watching it hungover. And could and have talk about Cocoon all day if you ask me to. Uh, and James, for your pleasure, he's added links on our email so you can, you know, see why he loves Cocoon so much. You cool. can listen to his interview. I may just do that. That sounds cool. I like Cocoon. Also, our good buddy Adam, who was in Jean-Claude Van Damme's Damn Van as Sloan, uh, went ahead and sent us something as well. He says, hello, gang. I thought it'd be fun to send my list of 10 figure eight films from 1985. Some you may not be super familiar with, but trust me, are epic and awesome dairy. Love it. Greatness as well as memories. Remo Williams. Oh, yeah. Commando. There's your weird science. Real Genius. Silverado. I'm surprised no one said that one. Mm. Fletch. American Ninja. The Peanut Butter Solution. I don't even know what the Peanut Butter Solution is. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. Um, Teen Wolf. An Enemy Mine. <laughs> Cheers, Adam. You know, Enemy Mine is one I watched a lot when I was a kid. And I don't remember it at all, except the the cover is Lou Gossett Jr. looking at an alien. Right? I think that sounds right. I know he's in it. That sounds yeah. right. Silverado, uh, Silverado is actually the one that I really wanted to make myself see because I've never seen it. Hmm. So that's why, yeah. So we got a Fletch mention on there. Also, Weird Science uh, stars one Robert Downey Jr. as a bully in it. And by mm-hmm. star, I mean he's in it for five minutes. <laughs> but it also features Kelly Brock naked. So, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong. You See, that's, that's the thing with 80s guys is there's lots of gratuitous nudity that you can everybody can appreciate. Even in stuff like uh, Zapped, where it's one of my favorite continuity errors or goofs in movies ever, is in Zapped, they're spying in on this girl who's naked, and I can't remember if she has brown or blonde hair, the actress. And so they, she's taking off her clothes, and as the camera pans down to see her boobs, her hair color changes. So you can tell it's like, you know, a body double. <laughs> Oh. I love that stuff. Um, I want to thank everybody who sent in emails. Um, 1985 was a great year for film. I want to thank our guests, Dan, Steve. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, that was uh, great. That was, thanks so much for having us. That was lots of fun. Thanks for having us. Um, but, uh, next week, we're back to our normal podcasting what experiences. Um, well, I was going to say get hard, but Steve, I was really disappointed to find that It Follows didn't come to the Alamo this week when it said on its website it was going to. So is it, it follows next week, the 27th? Yeah, so what ended up happening was that um, 
Actually, I don't know how much I should say. I mean, it was really... Like, Is it because they pushed it to a wide release, and so they kind of... Re- yeah, I mean, they kind of wanted to put more of their eggs in, like, bigger baskets, I guess, mm-hmm. for the opening weekend. So, um, I, I mean, originally, yeah, we were supposed to get it on uh, the 20th uh, yesterday. Yeah. And then uh, what they ended up doing was just kind of wanted to, like... They did a quick audible, and then uh, pushed it back to the 27th. So, um, a bit of a bummer, but again, like, now we just have... Um, another week of anticipation, and um, again, we'll have David Robert Mitchell here on the 30th at the Alma Draft House to uh, do a Q&A and introduce um, uh, Myth of the American Sleepover, and then it Already follows. sold out. It's already sold out. Yeah. Yep. But it's, uh, it's a craft dinner, though, right? The yeah. It follows? Yeah, so it'll be a craft dinner. We're doing it with True Brewing Company, who is an awesome death metal brewery. Cool. Yep, so... Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to It Follows. So I, I know I'm going to leave it up to the nerds. It's either It Follows or Get Hard. I'm for It Follows. I'll see It Follows more than I would see Get Hard. When cool. is uh, when's spring again? Spring is already out this week. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. Hopefully so, if it's bad, we can call the episode Shit Follows. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, it's man. Not be, it's going to be good. It's, yep. Yeah, it's yeah. like one of the best reviews. I'll do it anyway. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we have to. I think it's, it's, think it's in our contract. So again... We have a contract? Yeah, we make racist jokes all the time to disparage movies and apparently, and apparently <laughs> they ruin on, their business on retro film explosions make a lot of boner jokes yeah we don't usually make that many boner jokes well boners are funny well he's right about the 80s it's a it's lot of true. there was it a is. lot of yeah there Just were a lot of boner jokes in the 80s random i mean it's always not there's not always a lot in the movies but there's always random nudity i mean yeah. there's usually one nude shot but it's in almost every r-rated movie you know what yeah. i mean and it's the wonderful. 80s the 80s were like the showtime of decades <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> cool. So, thanks again, everybody. Thanks for sending in stuff. This was lots of fun. Yeah. I love going back in time. Ooh. Don't, don't play Huey Lewis. We've already done it for 30 seconds. I want to get sued by him. <laughs> play um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure theme song. Now. Or just end the show. I don't care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.